From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. TGIF, it is seven minutes past the hour. Welcome to the program. So very, very happy that you're here. Uh, we're going to have Dan Garbett. He is the longtime head coach of the Old Dominion University women's rowing program. He will be joining us. We're going to preview these um, really exciting indoor rowing championships. It's a first of its kind uh, here in this area. Uh, the vision of Senator Bill Gormley, and whew, it's going to be big. I mean, a lot of great talent already here in the area and all weekend long. We'll visit with Senator Vince Palestina in the 8 o'clock hour. And for the first segment, I'm going to try to keep him for about 15 minutes, maybe 20 even. Christopher Ruddy, the chief executive officer and the majority owner of Newsmax. And we're going to talk about AT&T and DirecTV deplatforming Newsmax, which they did to the... Uh, other conservative channel, uh, one they call it. I think it's like one nation, one nation or something television or something like that. It stands for. Uh, they're out, and I'm sure they would knock out Fox News if they could. But I guess they haven't figured a way to do that. They say it's over paying some kind of royalty thing or something. It's. It's not that at all. It's it's really about free speech. It's about censoring. Uh, it's about all the things that have been going on since since Trump won. The left has been so committed to shutting the right down that it is just completely out of control. Well, the FBI is going to search. You know, I, I'm amazed at all these telegraphing in advance. I mean, it hasn't happened yet. They're going to search former Vice President Mike Pence's Indiana home for classified documents. All right, just go do it then. Very, very weird the way all of this is playing out. And and if you think it's by accident, you're kidding yourself. This is all a plan. This is a Biden protection program. I mean, think about it. They let him go in his house. Then weeks later, they go search it. Then he's in the other house. And then weeks later, they go and search that one. I mean, this is ridiculous. Now we learn, and it should deeply disturb everyone, but it doesn't, but it should, that either the Department of Justice or the White House, Joe Biden himself even, it can't be anybody else told the National Archives that they could not release things. They could not tell you even who told them they cannot release things. I mean, this is this is incredible. And I, and I saw something that is what we've been saying all along, a report that Biden is using all of these investigations as a way to be even more secret squirrel. And I said that from the beginning. Hey, look, you know, this isn't necessarily bad. 
but it's also not good because the appointment of a special counsel means that they're just going to say uh, refer you to other people. We refer you to the special counsel, and of course, they're not going to comment. We refer you to the White House lawyer. They're not going to comment. We we refer you to Joe Biden's personal attorneys. All they keep saying is how transparent they are and how cooperative they are. This is really, really crazy. And if you didn't think things are getting crazy enough, there's a big balloon up in the sky over the northern United States, and it seems to be hovering over a particular area, I think, if my memory serves me correct, Montana, of all places, where different um, things are done that they wanted to spy on, it seems. And there's a belief that this is a Chinese spy balloon. And the military told the president not to order the balloon to be shot down. So I don't know what that is. If there's something on the balloon that would be a problem, uh, there's got to be some reason. But quote unquote, the United States government has detected and is tracking a high altitude surveillance balloon that is over the continental United States right now. This is the Pentagon spokesperson, Brigadier General Pat Ryder. He said further, We continue to track and monitor it closely. Uh, Further, the U.S. military has been monitoring a suspected Chinese surveillance balloon that has been hovering over the northern United States for the past few days. And military and defense leaders have discussed shooting it out of the sky, according to two U.S. officials and a senior defense official. But what I've been reading is that they've been told not to do that or, or recommended that they not do that. Since the balloon was detected, the United States government acted immediately to protect against the collection of sensitive information. And evidently, and I don't know because it's sensitive, we shouldn't know, and I'm fine not knowing what we're not supposed to know, that things evidently go on in Billings, Montana, that we never knew about. It flew over the Aleutian Islands, through Canada, and into Montana. Yesterday, actually it was the day before, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin convened a meeting of senior military and defense leaders, including the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff General Mark Milley, NORTHCOM NORAD Commander General Glenn Van Herc, and other combatant commanders. Austin was traveling in the Philippines at the time. So we'll keep you posted on that. I I don't know what else uh, really to say about it. I've seen photos of it. Maybe you have. And they're basically reviewing the threat profile of the Chinese stratospheric balloon and then the potential possible response options. You got to admit, we got crazy stuff going on right now. And I just, I, I honestly believe that all roads lead to the feckless Joe Biden. We have an administration that's not even paper tiger status. They're a joke. Look at Afghanistan. Look at Russia, Ukraine. Trump put out something I haven't had a chance 
to read yet, but I do intend to read it sometime, maybe even before this program is over. Uh, I've just got a lot on my plate right now, but I do want to read it because I know the cliff notes. President Trump is blaming Biden uh, for Russia invading Ukraine, and I he's not alone. That's a reasonable conclusion because Putin hadn't invaded Ukraine for the four years before Biden. We can't prove this, but I know it's true. If Trump had won, this wouldn't be happening right now. And I, and I was watching again the talk because gas prices are going up and they're, 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 they're talking about Russia, Ukraine and greedy oil companies profiteering. I mean, they take responsibility for nothing. It is maddening what they do. They're blaming Republicans for the economy. I'm not kidding you. Biden is ramping up. Some news came out about 12, 18 hours ago. And it said that President Biden was going to take a soft, apologize to America approach for his policies. And then Ron Klain convinced him, no, no, we're going to do just the opposite. We're going to have parties bragging about the great Biden economy. And uh, of course, they chose door number two, the prime minister's door. That guy was crying. But Joe Biden, I mean, it's a sickening crying over Biden. So their approach for the 2024 election is going to be that Biden has led a phenomenal economy. I know this is it makes your skin turn crawl. And anywhere there is to blame, they're going to blame Republicans and the Trump policies as the reason. Yet they were always good policies and good times and good economy and low inflation and low energy costs and high employment across the board, high wages that actually could pay for what you needed to to buy. And yet these absolute provocateurs, congenital liars are going to tell a great tale of the excellent job that they did. I know this is enough to make you just viscerally just ill. But this is the plan. And I don't know. I don't know one freak that could possibly buy it. Fox News commentary. According to a new study, the modern parenting technique of using devices to calm kids could really backfire. I'm Tommy Laren. Find out next. It's Jesse Kelly here. I can't afford to lose 30% of my 401k or IRA again, and I'm assuming you can't either. Call Oxford Gold. Securing your IRA or 401k with real gold and silver is a portfolio protection plan, and Oxford Gold has made it easy as one, two, three. One app, one call, and you pick your precious metals. That's it. You now own precious metals. Call Oxford Gold today to learn more about the one, two, three protection plan. 833-404-GOLD. 833-404-GOLD. 
Rage with parents these days using screens to calm kids and quiet them down. But parents be warned. New research out of the University of Michigan shows this technique could actually lead to worse behavior down the road. The study found that using smartphones and devices to soothe kids ages three to five was associated with increased emotional dysregulation, particularly in boys. The lead author of the research concluded that devices may displace opportunities for development of independent and alternative methods to self-regulate. This can include rapid shifts between sadness and excitement, a sudden change in mood or feelings and heightened impulsivity. Parents, I'm sure it's tempting to use technology as an easy babysitting strategy, but it's not worth it. And furthermore, we don't need a study to tell us that the lack of active parenting in modern society is to blame for many of the problems we face. Put down the screens, get some fresh air, and make parenting great again. I'm Sean Hannity, this afternoon at 3. Now, early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you very much. And we are back at 23 minutes past the hour on the Hurley in the Morning program. As you can tell, a lot, a lot on the plate. And we're just getting started and we'll feather into local issues, which are going to be very exciting, including if you go to our app or the website, you can read about uh, the report that we filed yesterday, all about the rowing championships, the indoor rowing championship sanction, too. I mean, this is a, a very big deal and uh, it's going to be high caliber stuff. I'm going to save some of this for when we interview Christopher Ruddy, the CEO and the majority owner of Newsmax. But Kevin McCarthy has actually come out and reiterated his support for committee hearings. And I'm I'm really in favor of this. This just has to keep it has to keep being done. These these bad actors, they've got to be put under oath. They've got to be put under oath with threat of perjury, penalty, jail. It's not going to be like it was before where you could go and lie and then nothing happened. Because look what they've done. The other side did. So that has to be the new order. You come before a committee, if you're Anthony Fauci or anybody else, if you come before a committee and even if you've done it in the past and you lied, and they can prove you lied, then guess what? You're getting your ass hauled before a a federal grand jury. And Kevin McCarthy said, Newsmax isn't the first. OAN, O-N-A, or O-A-N, as well. And I think America, quote, should be able to have a choice In the news, they are able to get choice in being able to see it. Quote, I would hate to see somebody kicked off simply because they provide something conservative. So I think it is a place that we should look at. Damn straight. It's terrible. And McCarthy reminded reporters yesterday that Elon Musk made the revelations of his own company's internal emails, which prove that collusion with the FBI in suppressing conservative dissenting voices had occurred. Quote, now what we found out that happened at Twitter when they told us, oh, it wasn't happening. It is a real concern here. It's better to bring sunlight and get all the facts to know. Is someone being jeopardized, being on television simply because of their philosophical beliefs, that should be wrong. 
this is, quote, very concerning to me. And I hope we get this corrected so everybody out there, especially on DirecTV, can have the choice in programming and especially have the choice to get their news. Quote, I can't tell you the number of people who tell me they watch Newsmax and like what they're hearing and want to have the choice to see it. Yet AT&T and DirecTV deplatformed Newsmax from 13 million subscriber homes. So you can tell we've got a lot to talk about with Christopher Ruddy coming up. Don't miss it. He's very interesting, uh, as you can imagine. All right. So let me just share with you a funny story before the bottom of the hour break. It's hilarious. And I'll deal with it like I always do. How many times do I tell you that stuff happens to me now? Now, maybe this has happened to you. Maybe it hasn't. So I'm minding my own business and there's an important fax that I have to receive. And it was being sent the old fashioned way from someone's fax machine to my fax machine. So we have the technology that we can do computer versions. We can do it digitally, but I also keep, I think I've, I know I've told this to you before, just because look, I'm in the communications business and if the digital cell phones are down, I want to have landlines. Now, of course, that, that, that goes all the way back to the analog days. Now it's all digital, but still there are times when the cell phone doesn't work, but your home line, if you have, uh, I'll call it an old-fashioned home line, uh, maybe does. And sometimes maybe that's out, but your cell phone works. So I've kept a dedicated house line, and I've kept a dedicated fax line. So I, I know I gave this person the correct number, but then even for a minute, I'm doubting myself, like, did I say the wrong number? So the fax machine doesn't ring. My home phone rings. So I called the person back. I said, hey, you um, you sent that to my home number, which maybe I gave you by mistake. And I, I, honestly, I, I knew I didn't, but it happened. And I don't know how they would have the home line. I didn't give it to them. So we tried again. And I give them the number, the correct number, which I had given them to begin with. Again, my home phone line rings and not the fax line. So I pick up my home phone. It's got a dial tone. I pick up my fax line. It has a dial tone. Now, when you, before you're troubleshooting with something weird, you think everything's working. So weirdly enough, I pick up my home phone line and I dial my fax number. And it immediately goes to my recorded message which I know I don't have on the fax machine. It's just a dedicated line with the fax machine. I never use it other than for faxing. So I thought, wait a minute. If that's ringing to my voicemail, it thinks that that number is my home phone. So I pick up my fax line now, and now I dial my home line. And it goes right to voicemail. But nobody was on the phone. Yet guess who was? Me. Somehow in my magical mystery life that I have, 
these two phone numbers for no particular reason because they have been working for years suddenly both lines are only recognizing our home phone line i hope i'm explaining this because it's i could when i was talking to xfinity they were completely perplexed i said i know i know you never had this before right no we've never had lines cross like this in the same house we've had weird things happen i said i know i know i said but you don't you don't know me once again i have something either that no one has ever heard of or that rarely ever occurs i don't know i don't know what i did to bear this cross in life where and i don't even tell you nine tenths of this crap that goes on i don't understand it i live a straight and narrow life i really do i i don't understand how these things happen so I'm on the phone, and then they're telling me, give me the UMAC number and all this stuff. So I got to get, you know, where I keep the, the modem. And uh, easiest way, I just take a picture of it. So then I give this whatever number it is. And they said, unplug the two phone lines that are plugged into the modem for 60 seconds and plug them back in. Nothing changed. It's still crossed over. To where my fax line no does not exist at this time. Only my house line. They they did some other troubleshooting, and then I was I was very pleased. Uh, they said, "Look, we're not going to be able to do this over the phone." I said, "Okay." I said, "You know, let's set up an appointment." And they said, "You know, how's today between twelve and two p.m.?" I said, "Great." You know, I'm living in a in a world now. I don't know about you, where you get told, you know, we'll get we'll have an appointment for you in a month. I need my fax line. I could always turn my house phone into the fax line, but that's I mean, I'm paying for two different lines. So then later on, about an hour later, uh, Xfinity called again, and then I thought, oh my god, this person's going to do all the same stuff I just did. What are we doing here? So I said, I said, listen, I said, are you aware that I did all this before an hour ago? I said, I need I need someone here in my home to fix this. We're not, I don't think we're going to be able to do this over the phone. And then I explained that I unplugged it, that they put me on hold for a period of time. They said they were going to try to to do it with some kind of reset or these different things. And I said, it's exactly how it was. I said, I, I, I said, I don't want to do this all over again. I'm not going to do this all over again. I want to keep the two, the 12 noon to 2 p.m. service call. And, the, and the, the nice woman said, that's fine. And so we'll see what happens today. But that, I tell you these stories that I can't even believe. I, I, I couldn't even figure out what was going on. In fact, they couldn't figure out what's going on. I'm the one. That figured out what's going on. I said, whoa, wait a minute. I said, I get it. The fax line is now the home phone line. I said, you understand? It's not two lines anymore. It's just one. I don't know how this has happened. Because they are two separate lines or were. I said, but the reason, they said, well, call your home phone. So I had to call from the fax line because I'm on my cell phone. I can't use my home phone to call the home phone. 
So I called from the fax line. I said, whoa, wait a minute. It went right to my voicemail. So this is treating it like I'm calling my own home phone number from my home phone. And then I put it together. I said, we got lines crossed here. You're not recognizing the two lines. I now only have one line in all these multiple locations because we have the home line in our bedroom, in the kitchen, downstairs in the living room, in my office. I mean, we have it all over the place. An upstairs bedroom, uh, it's all over the place. I said, but the fax line, that dedicated line, is only in one location. But now it is also the home line. So I finally had the breakthrough because they couldn't understand what was going on. In short, that's my world. And I'm telling you, leave it to me. You don't want to live in it. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. And this is your unassuming, humble broadcaster, Harry Hurley, in the morning with three stories that you can follow on our WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. There was basically a riot-like atmosphere at Atlantic City High School last night at the Atlantic City High School, Atlantic City uh, um, Institute of Technology boys basketball game. Check that out. Uh, Also, believe it or not, the federal government appears. They really, they keep saying they're not, but they're caught again. They're coming after gas stoves. It's crazy. From the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zaro. Bottom line, for our impending Arctic blast, it is going to turn extremely cold, but only for today, tonight, and tomorrow. Temperatures will fall to around 24 this afternoon. You may catch a few flurries, otherwise mostly sunny and windy. That wind's going to bite tonight. Low at 10, wind chill well below zero. A frigid day tomorrow, sunny, not as windy. High temperature around 27. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. From the world's playground. This is Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. 41 minutes past the hour. Wide open forum coming up, although there is a chance that at 7.05 it will not be. We have a guest that's either going to join us at 7.05 or after Chris Ruddy, and it's based on their schedule. Uh, they're actually working on an assignment, uh, so they're not they're still not even at this late hour. They're still not sure. So if the guest is not available at 705, we'll have open forum. Then at the after the bottom of the hour break, we're going to visit with Dan Garbett and we're going to talk about this great indoor rowing event. That's I don't want to even say coming to Atlantic City. It's here. It's this weekend and it's going to be great. I, I know it. It's going to be really, really great. Maybe you were, maybe you weren't surprised by this if you even heard about it. Uh, I was a little bit surprised. But then again, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals is different than some of the others. Uh, But a U.S. appeals court yesterday, think about this. This is pretty wild. Declared unconstitutional. So if this doesn't go to a higher court, this stands that a federal law making it a crime for people under domestic violence restraining orders to own firearms. So let me let me say this in English, because that's the way they word it. 
if you are convicted under domestic violence laws, you were not permitted to own a firearm. A three-judge panel of the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. This is an enormous victory for gun rights, but I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, now, wait a minute now. If somebody is convicted of domestic violence, they're still allowed to have a gun? And see, that's the sticky, the stubborn persistence of the United States Constitution because it is a right to bear arms. So I guarantee you there are courts that would have upheld this law. But this three panel court of and I guess they're going to take it to the full Fifth Circuit and we'll see what happens. But this case uh, is New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Brune. It's a name. B-R-U-E-N. And this case, this is precedent setting. This is saying that even if you have committed the crime of domestic violence, New York State, no state, can prevent you from owning a firearm. And remember, this is the same court that last June granted the broad right for people to carry firearms outside of your home. And that is stuff that New Jersey, for example, I mean, I'm going to tell you, and I'm not saying it about Will Reynolds, but previous to Will Reynolds, and I won't even say it about Damon Tyner, but you could have death threats. And these jackass Atlanta County prosecutors of the past would not allow you to file for qualify for and have the right to carry and i said at the time that it was completely unconstitutional and it is so these um these decisions are are not small these are it's very very big deal the um one of the judges Corey wilson said, and he was appointed by President Trump, just to give you an idea how important elections are. Corey Wilson, Judge Corey Wilson said, banning people under domestic violence restraining orders from owning firearms, quote, embodies solitary policy goals meant to protect vulnerable people in our society. But the judge appointed by Donald Trump said the Brune ruling made such a consideration irrelevant and that from a historical perspective, the ban was, quote, an outlier that our ancestors would have never accepted. So there you go. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, three panel. Just a portion of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, but that that decision stands unless it's appealed to the full Fifth Circuit and unless the Fifth Circuit overrules it. And then, of course, if they do and overturn it, and that happens sometimes, sometimes you get lucky and you get two out of three or three out of three that see it the way you would want, you win. 
but then they take it to the full court and you can lose. But then it would certainly be appealed to the United States Supreme Court, which I think is reviewing some of this right now as we speak. 46 minutes past the hour. A lot more to share when we come back in just a few minutes. This is Early in the Morning. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. South Jersey's number one talk station. And that is because of you and you've done it again and again and again. And we thank you for making us number one. Sweet. We appreciate it and appreciate you. All right. I'm not going to give Joe Manchin too much credit here. I want him to lose when he runs for re-election in 2024. I've had enough of him. Uh, this faker that voted for all that crap. That your children's children's children are going to be paying off. Never pay off. Can't possibly pay it off. But he is teaming up with several Republicans to go against a Joe Biden administration rule which encourages, quote, woke capital, end quote. So he has confirmed uh, that he's against it. Uh, all these incredibly stupid Biden policies. And, and it's a shame. I have to say it's a shame that um, he did what he did before. Had, had he, 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 what he did was. I think he's going to wind up with a Democrat challenger. Maybe he wins. Maybe he doesn't. And then he's going to wind up with a tough Republican challenger. He's going to have a very, very hard time of it. You know, the smart thing to do, the smartest thing for him to have done. West Virginia is conservative. They're not liberal. He should have just switched and become a Republican. And then I think he could have easily stayed. In his position now, I think there's a really good chance that he'll be defeated because he did the worst thing you can do in politics. You can't get everybody mad at you at the same time. The expression, you don't get to addition through subtraction that you hear me say from time to time. He's got everybody mad at him. Democrats are mad at him. They don't trust him. They don't like him. They don't like the stuff he was saying and doing. Then, of course, he did vote for that abominable fake inflation thing that really was nothing more than a climate change bill that that's the um the dishonesty of this administration everything they do everything that they say i'm looking at this uh this chinese spy balloon just crazy i i don't know i i i guess there's a reason they don't want to shoot it out of the sky are we sending anything up there? Like, why don't we spy on it? Why don't we see what's going on with this thing? You know, we'll just keep taking pictures of it, hovering over Billings, Montana. What what could go wrong? So anyhow, I, I want to see uh, Manchin lose. You know, he did say, I can tell you one thing. They're not taking my gas stove out. I know, can you... Please go go to the article that I wrote this morning. I thought when Trumpka said it, and he's a commissioner on one of the federal uh, entities, Consumer Product 
safety or something commission. But now you have the energy department. And you want to hear a crazy thing? They not only want to take away your gas stove, but they also want to regulate your electric stove. I mean, these people are crazy. Their their vision, their policies, their dystopian America, it is completely unworkable. And how about this? And I do write about it. Let me talk about that for just a second. And I, I filed that about an hour or two ago. It's up there if you want to read it on the website, on the app. Any chef will tell you. I've never heard one say differently. They prefer to cook on natural gas versus an electric stove. The heat cooks things more evenly. Anyone will tell you, especially with delicate recipes, desserts and certain things, that the natural gas is just better. It's also more economical. If you told a restaurant today that they had to go total electrical, now, first of all, they would have to buy all kinds of equipment because they have gas stoves. That would be exorbitant. But the cost of electric versus natural gas, almost every one of them says would put them out of business. And that's what this administration is all about. Very onerous, restrictive policies that hurt people. Counterintuitive to everything. I read a report a few hours ago, and it was titled that the Biden team is weaponizing special counsel to obstruct classified documents probe. And it basically tells the story that the Biden administration is taking advantage and even weaponizing all aspects that they can. And this is why you hear we're cooperating fully. We're fully cooperating, uh, completely transparent. They haven't been transparent about anything. We keep finding out more and more and more things that happened months ago. And now we found out that they told the National Archives they couldn't talk to anyone or share anything. The only people that could have done that would be the Department of Justice or Joe Biden. There's nobody else. Now, here's the crazy thing. Does that make that classified information? Did they did they make something that's completely open and and should be transparent and make it classified? That's just a just a thought. Because if they can't say it, it's not it's not classified. And then they were also told the National Archives was also ordered that they could not tell in any information request to anyone who told them that they could not release information about Joe Biden. I mean, when I tell you these are criminals at work, I'm not kidding. This is as corrupt as it gets. There's never been anything like it. You know, I thought Obama was bad until this, and he was bad. I thought Clinton was bad. Bill, Hillary is bad uh, until this. So don't ever think things can't can't get worse. All right. Uh, We're going to have open forum coming up right after the break. 
I haven't had a chance to talk about this with you, and, and I should have earlier in this hour. But this death of a 30-year-old Republican city councilwoman from New Jersey who was found shot to death outside of her home on Wednesday night, Eunice Dwumfor, D-W-U-M-F-O-U-R, of the Sayerville Borough Council, she was murdered. We have confirmed, and it was through a friend of mine at Fox News, that she was shot in the face seven times and shot five or seven times in the face and seven or more times in other parts of her body. So this is this was, I mean, this was an assassination, a hit. Your call, 609-407-1450 or next. WCGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a town square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. It is six minutes past the hour. We have this 25-minute period. Let's get as many calls in as we can, 609-407-1450. Welcome to Hurley in the Morning. You're on the air. Hi, Harry. Um, listen, I have a question. It's a, uh, I have an interest in starting a third political party, a MAGA or Patriot, or people that are very supportive of President Trump. And I know third political parties have not had a good success. But my question is, and it's such a monumental task, what would the first couple of steps be to start something like that well let me let me say first i think it's a terrible idea because all you do is promise uh democrat control for the rest of eternity so i think it's a really bad idea because that would split up the republican vote if you pull out trump supporters from the republican pool if you will then republicans can't win so it wouldn't even be it's an it's like an exercise in 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 self annihilation, uh, but I do understand there are a lot of people very pissed off. Excuse my language at the Republican Party, so I don't blame you. Uh, but getting started is not hard. You you would form an organization uh, if you want to form it uh, in a formal way. You register, and the, the the process is very simple to follow. But you have to follow certain things that are required. You do the paperwork. You start your club or you start your party. Maybe you start out with a club and then you graduate to a full statewide party. But if it ever got to the point where it could get 30 percent of the vote or something like that, and what would that leave for the Republican candidate? And then the Democrats would win. So what's the objective to, to, to actually be able to govern or for Democrats to be in control? The objective is. All the, the last couple of years, there have been a, a series of failures of the Republican Party. The last failure for me was when Ronna McDaniel was was voted in as yeah. the RNC chair. I know. So I, I feel and and I and I I fully expected that you wouldn't be happy with doing it, but 
And keep in mind, I'm not happy with a lot of things going on right now. Mitch McConnell and crap like that. I mean, he's just retaliated against Rick Scott yesterday. Uh, There's some really bad Republicans right now. And, And if you don't know this about me, I'm Trump all the way. I'm a former Trump executive. Uh, I just want to win. Democrats winning is the end of our country. They're so radical now. It's a shame, too, because there's a lot of good Democrats out there, but they vote for these radicals. And their agenda right now is so anti-American that if we fractured the Republican Party and created, that's why I was always concerned whenever there was a spinoff party. I liked it when there was the Green Party. Because then that was without the Green Party, without Ralph Nader and even the the Palm Beach butterfly ballot, come to think of it, uh, Al Gore would have been president and probably would have been president for two terms. So if we got into that business of having the MAGA party or whatever you would call it, and yeah, you do understand Democrats are trying to make MAGA Republican uh, a crime. They, they, they you're a racist. You're horrible. I mean, it's just it is an awful period in American history that we're going through right now. Yes, but but if, if you look at the numbers and I've looked at it many different ways, you're looking at at least 10 to 15 million. And it could be upwards of 50 million people that would support a party such as this. So, yeah, but it's it's fractured, though. It's all spread out. And in a national election, it would kill the Republican and then in the local elections and the county and the state elections, it would make Democrats win. You, I, I don't know if you trust me on this, but I've been doing this for a long time. This is a recipe for disaster. The more successful you would become, the worse the result would be. You would be getting liberal Democrats winning all over the place. And then I would just ask the question, what do you accomplish at that point? I mean, look, third parties, uh, Governor Jesse Ventura did have an upset win and won in Minnesota for governor as a third party candidate. It's almost impossible. Ross Perot, I think, had he not dropped out of the race and jumped back in, had a shot of doing it as an independent or a third party rather candidate. But it really has little chance to succeed. It would fracture the Republican base and it would ensure Democrat wins in the most important key elections. Uh, be a lot of energy to spend on something that would give you exactly what you don't want. Yes, but right now you have a uniparty running America and you have no representation. So when you really get down to it, you have nothing now. Well, you can't say that. I mean, you have people like Jim Jordan. You have a lot of really good Republicans who are outstanding. I think Kevin McCarthy is well, better. Be- throwing in- Excuse me. I'm sorry. I don't see Jim Jordan throwing any subpoenas down. Uh, he's, uh, there's a lot of talk, but nothing. Well, I, I will tell you this. Uh, how about Comer? You like Comer? Well, I like what, what he's saying. Are you starting to do things? Yeah. Well, they're like, uh, listen, they've been in. It's February 3rd. They've been in for a few weeks. Remember, there was a delay even in getting the speaker. So you didn't, you didn't even have the committees able to um, to be up and running. So they've been in there for just a short period of time. They're going to litter the nation in subpoenas. They're going to do what they said they were going to do. I would say give them a chance. Uh, if you if you think this is a good idea and you want to further it, I'll talk to you about it anytime you want. I'm just telling you what I believe the end result would be of it. 
it would hurt Republicans. It would benefit Democrats. Uh, and I don't think that's what you want. And I don't, but I do understand the frustration with certain regular Republicans, Mitch McConnell and people like that. They got to go. I would focus on getting rid of them rather than burning the whole house down to try to rule the ashes. But you wouldn't even have a chance because the Democrats uh, would, would just have it locked up at that point. To be continued, I've got to take some more calls, but I did enjoy it. I think it's a big mistake, though. Welcome to Hurley in the morning. You're on the air. Yes, good morning. It'll be wonderful to have a Constitution party. But you know what, though? I think clubs that sponsor learning the Constitution would be really important for us so we could hold both parties to the feet to the fire. That would be a really good idea, I think. But, sure. uh, yeah, we're not even yeah, – we, we don't even have paper tiger status at this point, right, with the current administration. Uh, yeah, you know – uh, the place that uh, has enough poppy to keep hunters happy in a mummified stupor for the next day uh, till the zombie apocalypse happens, you know. that uh, While that was uh, going on in August of 2021, that that uh, stupefied the withdrawal from Afghanistan, yeah, the CCP was circling the earth with uh, hypersonic missiles, ICBMs. And, uh, yeah, <clears throat> that's the thing. There's There's more lithium in Afghanistan. And there is poppy, uh, opium poppy, and it takes lithium and actually cobalt to generate those batteries in the electric cars that uh, the Democrats would have pushed on our throats, you know, crammed on our throats. So and, good. Now the Taliban has control of all that. Yeah, but make no doubt about it that the CCP is going to make inroads in Afghanistan. There's just no doubt about it. nothing stopping them. Hey, listen, the listen, keep an eye on home base. The CCP right now is buying up so much of America, farms, they're uh, buying up learning institutions, schools. I mean, it is it is unbelievable what China is doing right under our nose right now. Yeah, absolutely. And Far, uh, did I leave out farms? They're buying farms. Uh, it's, it's, it's unreal. Uh, they're just getting a handle on how much of Florida China has been buying up. Uh, and DeSantis, I trust him to do a good job there. Uh, so I hear you talking about far and away. We need to keep an eye on what's happening. And that's that's good. But we need to keep an eye on what's happening right here because China is buying up America right under our nose. It's unbelievable. We shouldn't allow it. We should hold them accountable for the pandemic that they caused, assign a dollar value to, to the millions that they killed, and we need to take it all back. Would say you don't own that anymore. Uh, we just took that. I mean, we can't allow them to continue to gobble up real estate here in America. You know, they would never allow us to do there what we're allowing them to do here. It can't be good, and they're not. An, they're not an ally. So, what's the agenda here? We know we have a president that I believe is completely, utterly compromised by China. And that's why we see the things going on that we do. Back to your calls right after this. It's the Hurley in the Morning program. Here's Sean Hannity. Your morning espresso starts right here. It's the Sean Hannity Morning Minute. Now we know Joe Biden made the claim repeatedly during the campaign that he never, ever had a conversation with his son, Hunter, about his foreign business dealings. Now we have photographs with Hunter, Joe, and some of his farm business partners. 
We have minutes of meetings. This has been confirmed by numerous sources, New York Post included. Uh, the Daily Mail reported that documents from the laptop appear to indicate uh, Hunter paid his father's phone bill and spent thousands of dollars on home improvement supplies and projects for his father's home in Delaware. I think we can ask the question. I don't know the answer. Number one, is that true? Number two is how much, if it is true, how much did Hunter spend on his father's expenses? Did the Daily Mail get that story right? The Sean Hannity Show from coast to coast later today. You know, tragically, last year had a record number of school shooting victims. Now, in active shooter incidents, schools go on lockdown and locked doors impede law enforcement's access. Now, with Knox, both school officials and law enforcement have access to key cards, keys, floor plans, and getting them into those locked doors. Get Knox. Just go to schoolentry.com. That's their website, schoolentry, one word, dot com. Schoolentry.com. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash dot com. When you need to know, it's WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. 22 minutes past the hour. Welcome to the Hurley in the Morning program. Hi there. Good morning, Harry. Uh, it is a great day in Brigantine. However, uh, the winds have started and the snow is flying. What? The snow is it, flying? It, oh, there's snow in Brigantine right now. Wow. I didn't even and think it, that was in the forecast. Yeah, it's blowing around. This 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 Arctic front or a bitter cold front coming through. And I was actually oh, about 15 minutes ago, it was calm as could be. And I was dressed up to go out for my daily constitutional. But uh, then I walked outside and I'm like, eh, this is kind of iffy. I'm glad I didn't go now because it's, it's blowing around. Yeah, here. I'm looking at it. Even though it's uh, 34 right now, snow showers this morning. Uh, peaks of sunshine later. How about that? And I do know, for example, tonight, tonight is going to be about 11 degrees. Boston actually closed schools today because the wind chill is going to be so cold. So this very, very cold weather, but then by Sunday, it's out of here. Yeah, and as Johnny Carson once said, it is so cold. How cold is it? <laughs> yeah. It is so cold, I found the tidy bowl man playing ice hockey. I like that. 50 degrees on Sunday, and then I'll go Monday through. 52, 52, 57, 58, 56. That's through the 10th. So, wow, what a difference in a hurry. All right, so where do we begin? Um, At the beginning. The balloon, the the fifth dimension called. Um, So this balloon is above uh, where planes would travel. So it's above 30,000 feet. It's way up there. Okay. So this thing is positioned. I just saw a map on television. This thing is positioned where it has a bird's eye view of at least four military bases. Do you think maybe this is the Chinese way of letting us know that they know where our nuclear uh, weapons are stored just in case Joe Biden happens to 
do something if China invades Taiwan. Mm. A little bit of intimidation, maybe. Well, how about this, Andy? This much we know. They're not doing it for nothing. Of course not. Of course not. And uh, the generals don't want them to shoot it down because they're afraid of debris uh, falling and harming people in Montana where there's nothing but buffalo and land. <laughs> but that's, that's one thing. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about is the gas stoves. So you hit the nail on the head. What, what this is all, this isn't about your safety. It never was. And it isn't about fossil fuels or the environment or any of that. It's about forcing you to use a stove that operates via electricity, which is a much more expensive energy source. And it's in keeping with their desire to do exactly what you're saying, but also in some twisted way. I think they want credit for transforming energy uh, that they will get some kind. I don't know what credit they believe they will get as though uh, they're, they're saving the planet because of fossil fuels that will not, you know, uh, be used when we don't have enough electricity to handle what we're doing right now. How would you be able to convert, first of all, 40 percent of the homes in America use natural gas? I'm surprised it's not higher, but that's what they say. If you switched all them to electric, we would not have enough electricity to keep the grid, to keep the lights on. Add to that, they also want to then regulate the electric that you can use. So I would go one step further, and I know where you were going. This is all about control. They want to control you. Harry, you're taking me down the road I want to go. So if if once you're using an electric stove, since, as you say, we couldn't make enough electricity to power all of this. And it will bankrupt restaurants, and chefs don't want to cook with it in the first place. I mean, this is the problem. No, and what's going to happen is, just like in California, when they told you that you couldn't charge your electric car between the hours of 4 and 9 p.m., precisely when people would charge their car so that it's ready for work the next day, they are going to control how much electricity you use. There are ads currently running on the radio from Atlantic City Electric, talking about how they are installing these smart meters. And the woman in the commercial is like, well, I didn't order that. And he says, no, but we're just installing them. <clears throat> it's to provide more functionality. Like, it, it was all a bunch of gobbledygook. The bottom line is, if you're hooked into the electricity, the power grid that's controlled by the government, they're going to decide how much electricity you get to use in your home. And once you reach your limit, you will get shut off, and they can shut it off on their end. See, gas is different. If they shut off the gas to your home, now you, they're cutting off your heat, too, and they can't do that. So <clears throat> it's a way of them controlling how much electricity you use. It's about power and control. I've said this so many times. When the Democrats do something that makes no sense, if you can figure out how them doing this thing will somehow give them more control and power over you, then you've broken the code and you understand that what they're doing makes total sense on their end. Andy, I've got to get this break in. I'm sorry, I've got to go. I only have a few seconds. 
Ambient Comfort, and you can reach them uh, either ambientcomfortnj.com, and I'll give you the um, the Hurley hotline because they have a special hotline uh, that you can use that will show them that I sent you Hurley in the morning. So I would appreciate if you would use that number. But even when you call, also tell them that I sent you. I believe that this is an industry-leading program. They are going to be able to replace your old furnace and air conditioning system for less than 100 hours a month. I've never heard of anything like that. That's right. Replace both your heating and air conditioning systems for one absolutely affordable price. The timing couldn't be better. We're talking about energy costs here this morning. They've never been higher. And your systems over time become less efficient. They cost more to operate, makes repairs more expensive as well. And then you want to have comfort and you want to have value. You want to have efficiency. So I'm urging you to turn to my friends at Ambient Comfort, NJ.com, 609-568-0955. And please tell them that Harry Hurley sent you. When we come back, we're going to be visiting with Dan Garbett, the longtime head coach of the Old Dominion Women's Rowing Program. There's a big sanction event. It's here. It's in Atlantic City at the Atlantic City Convention Center this weekend. The U.S. Rowing Indoor Rowing Championships. We'll talk all about it coming up in just a few minutes. Don't go away. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. And this is Harry Hurley with three stories that you can follow right now on the WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. Atlantic City High School basketball game last night. Quote, riot-like atmosphere. Quote, end quote. We have the story. Check it out. And believe it or not, New Jersey, the federal government really is coming after your gas stove. They said they were, then they said they weren't. And I'm telling you, just read the news. It's there. And I write about a Philadelphia Eagles sand sculpture that's just... From the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zaro. Grab the heavy winter coat today. You may not necessarily need it this morning, but you definitely will later on as blustery conditions take over New Jersey today. Turning windy and colder will fall to 24 this afternoon, sunshine and maybe a few flurries. Bitter cold and biting wind tonight, low at 10. Wind chill as low as minus 10. Frigid tomorrow, sunny, not as windy, 27 into the 40s on Sunday. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. Hurley in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. We're investing. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Join me this afternoon at 3. Now back to Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, thank you very much, Sean Hannity. We are back and joining us now on the Hurley in the Morning Newsmaker Hotline is Dan Garbett, the longtime Old Dominion. What a program, by the way. I've been I've been to the school. Uh, amazing program. Uh, in in obviously in all sports, including women's basketball, by the way, a lot of great success with uh, the Marianne Stanley era, Wendy Larry era. Uh, very familiar with the school, actually. Uh, not as familiar with the women's rowing program, but guess what? Dan Garbett is. He's the longtime head coach of the Old Dominion women's rowing program. He's been in town. They're setting up. It's a big weekend. It's a sanctioned event. 
the inaugural, and I'm saying that like the, meaning that I think this is something that has the potential to have great staying power. So when you say inaugural, I'm saying it. I'm not saying it for anyone else, but that means that you intend, hopefully, for this to become second annual and third annual and things like that. The U.S. Rowing Indoor Rowing Championships event that will be held this weekend at the Atlantic City Convention Center is the vision of former Senator Bill Gormley and Dan Garbutt joins us now, who was, by the way, one of the very first people that Senator Gormley called because I remember we've been covering this since the beginning of this idea. And I remember Senator Gormley saying that Dan Garbutt is one of the absolute first people that I will be calling, obviously because of his pedigree, which is amazing. Coach, how are you? I'm doing really well, Harry. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. So this was once just an idea, and now it's actually here. How does it feel? Uh, it's been surreal. You know, I mean, the from drawing board to actual seeing, you know, bleachers constructed and, you know, a, a big screen um, being raised to the ceiling. It's 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 been something. It's been a, one, a one, once in a lifetime or at least a first in a lifetime type experience for me. Now, in terms of um, what needs to be done, I know, and we've been promoting it, and we wrote a piece yesterday about it that I believe I texted you a copy of uh, in terms of, you know, everything that's going to be going on, all the different events. Uh, are there yeah. things that the event needs right now? I mean, I know volunteers were being sought in a variety of different positions uh, that, that yeah. are really important. What, what, what do you need at this point? Well, I mean, uh, uh, continued awareness, I think, and hopefully growing interest for people to come out and take a look. It's free to enter and spectate. And, um, you know, there's a sign-up link that's been posted on U.S. Rowing. So if anybody's listening and interested in taking a look at usrowing.org uh, to see if there's any open sections, we're definitely going to need people throughout the event. Um, but we're, we're doing pretty well. You know, as of right now, the expo floor is set. The bleachers are constructed, the ergs are linked, and um, this morning we'll be firing up the system and taking a look at it on the screen and trying to dial in the last-minute things that these, these booths need before we, we go live here. How many ergs? Right now we have um, 160. Jeez. There's 80 on the floor, and then we have a warm-up area for the athletes to, to warm up and also cool down. I mean, this is um, good. Adjacent. The, coach, this is going to be epic, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'm. it's really exciting to see everything set up on the floor. I think the space is the right size. It's really going to feel, I think, um, uh, at capacity on Saturday. I think we're going to have some really full junior events, um, you know, Saturday morning from, from about 9 o'clock to, to about, you know, 11, 12, uh, you know, maybe lunchtime. We should have, you know, full flight after full flight after full flight with, with spectators. It should feel really electric in there. In terms of the different events that are going to be happening, uh, what are they? We have some first-time events like a team relay, um, which will be a four-person event. Uh, we have some alumni groups that have jumped into that, I'm proud to say, some of my ODU alums. And I think some St. Augustine alums have signed up uh, where each athlete will, will do about 500 meters in exchange. So it will be a little more lively. There will be um, watt tests, which will be about 100 meters as hard as you can. There'll be youth 500 meters, you know, five to seven year old categories. So kids can, can jump up and have a crack at it. There'll be some learn to row stuff going on in the warm up room with Olympians. Some of the U.S. national team will be, be walking around for, uh, for autographs and, and pictures. 
Um, we have a triathlon as well, which I think should be really exciting. Um, the, the Concept 2 uh, machine, which was once just a rower, now makes a ski erg and a, uh, a bike erg, which are, are great machines. And there's going to be what CrossFitters call, I think an, they call it an acid bath, which is a pretty short, wow. hard triathlon. Yeah, it should be exciting to watch. And I think um, I know a lot of the people that are walking around want to want to take home one of these ski ergs or one of these bike ergs. They've never seen them before or it's the first they've they tried them. And they're really nice machines. Now, the the concept of this didn't happen, you know, by any luck or, you know, by accident or anything. I remember in the interview that you and I did a few months ago, you presented the concept of a whole new format at the annual U.S. Rowing Coaching Convention. And if I remember correctly, it was met with great enthusiasm, wasn't it? Yeah, it was It was a, really a review of um, a conversation that started um, with World Rowing, who had had taken a stab at, um, I believe she phrased it, disassociating with the, the standard 2K, um, which is the distance that is the traditional racing distance or sprint distance on the machine. And, you know, it, it was part of a larger conversation. I was... Um, working as the coastal coordinator for U.S. Rowing and was presenting about this new format for rowing. And um, Liz Suter, who's working for World Rowing, and I um, started chatting about what she does, and she oversees indoor. And we both agreed that the, the need for new formatting is, I think, upon us in our sport to try to find something that was, you know, um, more exciting and, and maybe more accessible, you know, at 2,000 meters you know, if you're if you're going up against a trained athlete in the sport of rowing over that specific distance, I mean, it's very difficult at the highest level to have a chance competitively against somebody like that unless you're doing the same kind of volume and training they are for that distance. But for 500, or like a minute, or 10 strokes, or as it were on a triathlon in a number of different events, there's, you know, like they say in other sports, there's more ways to win or lose, and it's more competitive and um, a little more exciting. So... When Senator Gormley contacted me, um, you know, about my thoughts on, you know, an indoor championship, this was right on the heels of this, you know, conversation I'd had at the, um, you know, World Rowing Conference. And it was, it just seemed like right place, right time. And I, you know, I told him all my ideas and, and what I was thinking that we, we, we may have a chance of getting U.S. Rowing, who seems pretty interesting in these ideas as well, to partner with us, which, yeah, here we are. It's, wow. It's really been exciting. Dan, let's get a quick time out, and we're going to be right back, and Dan's going to stay with us until the top of the hour. We'll then be joined by Senator Palestina. Then we have at 9.05 the CEO and the majority owner of Newsmax. So that's their digital platform. That's their television uh, station, all of it. Christopher Ruddy in a early in the morning exclusive. You probably have heard the news at AT&T and DirecTV. I mean, unceremoniously uh, dispatched the fourth largest news type television station of its kind uh, in the nation. Uh, it's pretty hard to achieve. And you don't usually get walking papers with that kind of pedigree. Uh, we're going to deconstruct all that, break it down with Christopher Ruddy. That's coming up. Now, I remember, I want to revisit a couple of things. I remember months ago when we first uh, talked to Dan and I wrote the first article on it all. There was a hope that there'd be 100 ergometers set up. Well, you'd got more than that and 25 ergometers that would be placed in the warm-up area. You got that. And I remember we talked about an alumni competition and a lifeguard 
component as well. Uh, let's see if if because um, sometimes when you talk about something months in advance, things evolve and and such. Let's see if any of that is is happening as well. We'll be back. It's 45 minutes past the hour with Dan Garbett. I am Harry Hurley. This is WPG Talk Radio 95.5 because of our listeners, which would be you. The number one news talk radio station in South Jersey again and again and again. And we thank you for it. I can't use the term three-peat because Pat Riley has it, uh, he has it coined. But again and again and again, I can say, we'll be back. Don't go away. Mark Levin. But I'm sick and tired of America being treated like it's not the land of opportunity. Oh, woe is me. They're holding me back. Everybody with a chip on their shoulder. Nobody's holding you back. Maybe you're just a damn loser. Mark Levin, weeknights at 6 on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We're investing. Set the first button on your car radio for South Jersey's talk station. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. Welcome back. We have 10 minutes before the top of the hour, 10 minutes before Senator Palestina. Let's make it count. I just decided, this is a flyer, I just decided, wait a minute now. I'm mentioning Senator Gormley. I'm mentioning that he's the visionary behind this. We've got Dan Garbett, who's one of the first people that Senator Gormley reached out to. And I thought, let me just take a chance. So I want to thank Senator Gormley for taking my call. Uh, he came up with this idea. And anybody that knows Bill Gormley, when he's focused on something, I mean, the mission is it's he's a Marine. I mean, the, mis- the, the mission is going to be accomplished. So he formed the Atlantic City Indoor Rowing Association Incorporated, where Senator Gormley serves as its president. And he joins us now, and Dan is still here as well. Senator, I don't want to jinx anything, but I'm going to say congratulations thus far because a lot of hard work has gone into this. How do you feel about it? Well, it's it's going to be a wonderful event for the region. It's going to bring uh, a lot of uh, coaches from around the country to interact with our high school students and hopefully generate scholarship money. The, the idea to do this was based upon the premise, what does Atlantic County do better than any other place in the country? Rowing. We're an incredible source for college rowers. Since Doc Holland, Dan Bergman, and Dan's dad started this phenomena 50 years ago, Tens of millions of dollars of scholarship dollars have gone to young people from this region. And as a result of that, I said, well, let's see what we can do. Now, obviously, I have been encouraged to try to bring a convention to Atlantic City by your wife, Margie, who sent me an email about bringing back the National Sheriff's Convention, which I had helped my father do 60 years ago. So it's sort of a family tradition. So I said, listen, we, we, we row well. We're the best. And it's been a great experience for me because let me tell you the most underpaid people in the world, crew coaches in America, what these gentlemen and young ladies do to generate scholarships for young people is amazing. And they're, they're really heroes in terms of their commitment and devotion to the program. Then you add to that, the Kesselmans, Harvey and Lynn, who are the biggest backers of rowing you can find. As a matter of fact, Lynn and I have talked about this for years, about bringing an event like this to Atlantic City. 
the convention authority has gone out of its way. They've done a great job. We're going to have rowers from all over the country, all over the world. And it's, it's, a real, uh, it's a real tribute to the region. But I'll tell you this. I have never met a finer representative of any sport than Dan Garbutt. Wow. His mom and dad should be very proud. Everybody who's ever met him, whether it be at Atlantic City High School, Princeton, or, or coaching in later years, doesn't come away with saying what a gentleman and what a fine young man. So the only worry I have tomorrow, I'm going to be rowing for the first time in my life. In <laughs> oh, fantastic. So, uh, I, they, I, you know, so this is, you know, and then they didn't put me in a category with people who are my age. It, they've got some people rowing who are much better than I am. So aside from my fear of embarrassing myself, it's going to be a great event, and it's a, it's a celebration of Atlantic County and what we do better than any other county in the country. Uh, uh, Senator Gormley, I absolutely loved the narrative that you just shared. I, I second every bit of it. Uh, you're absolutely right about the foundation of why this event should be so strong this weekend. Dan Garbett, what can you say about working with Senator Gormley? Because one thing I know about Senator Bill Gormley, when he is focused on a, a goal, on an event, or whatever the, the mission might be, uh, the intensity is there, the work ethic is there. I imagine it was a pretty good experience, wasn't it? Yeah, it's it's been incredible. I mean, a a, a real true learning experience. Um, you know, Senator Gormley is one of the most persistent people I've ever met, and really talented. Like maybe super superpower of putting people together that can build relationships to get things done. Um, and that's something that you know, anytime he's told me to call someone um, in relationship to the event it seemed like, well, this is like a, a perfect person to talk to to try and, and solve this problem, you know, or this next this next problem, this next hurdle. So yeah, for that, I mean, I, I can see why he's been as successful as he's been in his life, and it's it's really been a, a pleasure. He, Alan Stoller, Art Brown, um, true mentors. I'm, I'm pretty lucky. Listeners are actually texting me in real time. Uh, is there an ability to be a late sign-up participant? Can you still sign up or is that closed there there's there's some limitations on it i mean i think that that the way the registration works is that the time team um who is our our, our timing organization for this event like once the registration closes they pull all the registrations and group them automatically and so we can handle some one-offs but if it's going to be something where um runtime gets adjusted or they would lose lose sort of their um their lock schedule. I think that, that could, that could be a problem, but definitely for, we have a five to 12 year old category, um, 500 meters that, and, um, a couple of power events that are, um, you know, under, under, under subscribed. So there's, there is some room, but we're, we're kind of right where we, we feel like we are set to, to release the schedule, but come, 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 come. There's a, a college fair on Saturday. Um, from 12:15 to 2:15, that is, I think, 40 or so dollars for the kids to sign up and free for parents to attend. And we have some big colleges upstairs that are are looking to speak to these kids about rowing at the next level. Dan, are are uh, folks parking at the Wave Garage? What what's happening relative to parking? Um, parking is at the convention center. Um, I believe the overflow would be at Wave. Okay. Um, there is a parking 
there will be a parking fee, but it's free to enter. So, you know, once you've paid your parking, it's free to come in and spectate. And I want to give Senator Gormley in the final couple of minutes that we have to make a closing comment. Senator? Well, um, it's, it's going to be zero windshield factor tomorrow. Yes. Uh, and if you, you want to go to a warm place with a lot of action, uh, then you want to go to the convention center. And it's, as I said, it's a celebration of what we do best. There's going to be a lot of uh, wonderful individuals, not only locally, but icons from around the country in the world of rowing. And Atlantic City has been able to attract them to this event. And the, the partnerships that we have, whether it be Boys and Girls Club, Jewish Community Center, the Holland uh, Rowing Facility in Ventnor, and all the great corporations and individuals that have participated in this, I think they're going to be even more enthusiastic when they see what's going on tomorrow. And hopefully this will give us the momentum to make next year's event even bigger. And the good news is it is going to be cold tomorrow, but it is not going to be windy. So the wind that's going to be kicking up today is going to be out of here. It'll be in Atlantic City, low single digits wind. So you'll get, you'll pull into the garage. Your car's warm. You'll walk into the, uh, to the event. You'll be warm. There's no wind. No, no problem. Uh, I want to wish you great success on how hard you and everyone have worked on it. And we look forward to being there with you tomorrow. Okay, thank you so much. much. All right, Senator. Bye-bye. See you, Dan. See you, Senator. When we come back, another Senator, Senator Vince Palestina, joins the Hurley in the Morning program next. Don't go away. This is WPG Talk Radio, 95.5 because of you. Again and again and again, South Jersey's number one news talk radio station. We'll be right back. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a Town Square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Right, here we go on a busy news day and right after Senator Palestina in a Hurley in the Morning exclusive uh, you don't get this guy very often. Very few around the country will land him. Christopher Ruddy, the chief executive officer and the majority owner of Newsmax. That's Newsmax television, Newsmax digital platforms. Uh, it's a pretty big deal. And we're going to be talking about the unceremonious uh, dispatching of Newsmax from the AT&T DirecTV platform, uh, really for no, no good reason, uh, other than in the name of censorship, which is a just a terrible thing. So we're going to deconstruct that uh, coming up after Senator Palestina. And from one senator to another, we welcome, he's on the Hurley in the Morning Newsmaker Hotline, Senator Vince Palestina, who appears with us every first Friday of the month, whether he likes it or not. 
And this program is presented by Palestina and Associates, a very successful, longstanding engineering firm right here in our beloved Atlanta County, New Jersey. Senator, welcome to your program. Well, good morning, Harry. Thanks for having me. And of course, I love doing it every month. It's, uh, it's very enjoyable, and I appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak with you. And uh, you know, when the listeners call in, ask questions, or have something to say, to interact with them. So, of course, uh, always glad to be able to come on and spend an hour with you every month. And I feel I feel blessed. We had uh, I can't say the immediate past senator from the second legislative district, but uh, probably the longest serving. I think he served longer than Farley did uh, from Senator Gormley to Senator Palestina. I'm not keeping bad company. Yeah, not at all. I get I didn't uh, have an opportunity to hear Senator Gormley, but I, you know, I talked with him fairly regularly. Obviously, we have the indoor rowing competition this weekend, which he has been heavily involved in and uh, you know we'll be participating tonight and tomorrow in that event uh, which is a great event obviously in february for the city of atlantic city to be able to have you know visitors coming to the city and uh, be able to patronize uh, the the establishments in the city and that was obviously a wonderful thing and you know senators gormley experience and just longevity in the state senate and his ability to get things done certainly uh, was great for this area for many many years and in some cases, in many cases, you know, I've tried to model uh, myself after that, you know, just focused on trying to get things done for Atlantic County, not worrying about party, not worrying about background, just how do we find a path to get things done? And of course, no one was better than Senator Gormley at doing that uh, during his time in the state Senate. So we thank him for everything he's done for the area. And hopefully, you know, we can continue that legacy. Senator Palestina, uh, that's a perfect segue. I want to begin with um, a column that I wrote yesterday. It's titled Republican New Jersey Senator Delivering Results with Democratic Governor. And I've had the opportunity to briefly speak with you or I couldn't have written the article. Uh, and also with Governor Murphy, who was very pleased with the piece that we did. And we had a brief conversation with Governor Murphy yesterday about it. And I think that some people look at a Republican working with a Democrat or a Democrat working with a Republican, like it's some kind of, um, you know, high crime or something. But how else can you get things done? And and what I think I was very blunt about in, in my article is the fact that Democrats control the state house, they control the governorship, they control both uh, houses of the legislature. So if a Republican senator from Atlanta County, New Jersey, is going to get appointments and get legislation and get things done. Uh, you got to work with the other side. That's exactly right, Harry. And uh, you know, as I've said uh, when I'm out at some of the events, uh, you know, I try to take people back to to the beginning here. You know, they Senator Brown was offered the position with the Department of Community Affairs. Clearly, you know, they knew they were not going to beat Senator Brown. He was just, uh, you know, after the fight on North Jersey casinos, and he was really the only champion for us around here fighting back against North Jersey casinos. Senator Brown had built a brand. You just were not going to beat him. And so, you know, they gave him the job, got him out of the way. They thought that would pave the way for them to get the District 2 Senate seat, which, of course, is something that they have been after, you know, since Senator Whalen passed away. Um, because, you know, with Atlantic City and how important Atlantic City is to the state and to our region, you know, it's something that is coveted. And so the Democrats wanted it. They thought they had a path to get it. And they had their entire playbook scripted. I, you know, I say it's like the, the coaches in the NFL that script their first 15 plays, and they're going to run those plays no matter 
situation, what the score, what's going on. They script everything, and they had it scripted. The Democrats, you know, had a script here. It was going to be, you know, a prosecutor from Jersey City. It was going to be an assignment judge from Camden. It was going to be a public safety director in the city of Atlantic City from Newark. You know, whatever judges they were looking for, they had they had a plan laid out here. And, uh, you know, we came in, of course, flipped that script entirely. Um, but, you know, now I'm a Republican senator for Atlanta County faced with a Democratic governor, a Democratic-controlled legislature, and one of the most important cities for the entire state, not only considering our region, you know, democratically controlled. And so I had to go up there and I had to navigate a path to try to figure out how we could get things done for Atlanta County and how we could get Atlanta County people in these positions. And it was it took a lot of time and a lot of effort. I remember going up there in November for the first meeting, you know, when they kind of laid out their script that they had planned before you know, the election, and they tried to present it to me as their kind of their plan. And they wanted to do these things where it would not be Atlanta County people, it would be people from outside of the area. And I did not, as you know, Harry, throughout the campaign, I kept saying, we are Atlanta County. We are going to focus on Atlanta County. And so that's kind of what I did, you know, lying in the sand with them you know, initially. And uh, fortunately, you know, after many months and, and a lot of effort, a lot of discussions between myself and uh, Reynolds now, a lot of other people, fortunately, that was really the linchpin to our made from the start. You know, we had a lot of Superior Court judges out there. We had a lot of appointments out there. But the top law enforcement official in Atlanta County was just so critical to the future of this region. And so that was where I drew the line. And, you know, I fortunately uh, was able to navigate that path. And I think when you look at what has occurred over the last 14 or 15 months with Will Reynolds as the prosecutor, with the Superior Court judges we have appointed from both parties, professional people that are going to do a great job in what has been recognized as the finest judiciary in the state. And now the other day that you wrote the article about um, with Rebecca Lafferty and Rob Herman being nominated as administrative law judges. There were only two in the state nominated the other day, both from Atlantic County. And, you know, I thank Governor Murphy and Chief of Staff Helmy and Tim Hillman, who is uh, the legislative liaison, and everybody who I've been working with in the administration, because when you look back on, on this period in Atlantic County's history, I think we have laid the foundation uh, for some incredible things to come with the people we have gotten in place. Obviously, you now know Congressman Van Drew is an absolute rock star down there. You know, you hear about chairmanships of like subcommittees and how big a deal that is sometimes. Congressman Van Drew is now the vice chair of the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. That cannot be understated, in addition to his position on the Judiciary Committee. But he has found his way down in Washington, D.C., to be in a position to benefit this region so greatly that I am so excited about the things we have gotten done in Atlanta County, the relationships we have forged with the governor, with my colleagues in the legislature, and then to have that support from our congressman in Washington, D.C., I think absolutely fabulous things to come, Harry. And so you know, I thank you for the article. Thank you for pointing it out. Um, we're in a great spot right now and really looking forward to continuing these efforts. What a uh, home run opening segment. I mean, I just so pleased with everything that i just heard i want to further this when we come back and then we'll just keep going there's a lot to cover this hour with senator palestina that i remember the very first interview i did with you when you were going to run for the seat 
and I vividly remember this, you said that I'm only doing this to get things done. You were not doing this to play politics, to be disruptor, to whatever, to play the game the way that it had been played, that, you know, not to work with the other side, fight with the other side, you know, because fear of working with the other side somehow is is in some twisted, bizarro world, a negative. It must feel really good to look at the length of time that you've been the senator and look how long you weren't verbose. Look how long it took. It took like 10 minutes just to be able to, to share some of the accomplishments of the last year or so. Uh, I want to further that when we come back. Are you pleased uh, with how much you've been able to get done? Because each one of these victories uh, means that localness was protected, as you talked about, uh, and that really good people are in these positions. And these aren't these are no small matters, as you said. You cannot overstate uh, the difference between having Will Reynolds and someone from somewhere else. It's a five year deal, which usually means 10 at least because the reappointment many times happens. Uh, so that would be for a lengthy period of time, half a generation, possibly. So these are consequential things. And then these judicial appointments, just one more advice and consent. And then there are lifetime appointments. So I want to ask you if you're pleased with the progress when we come back with Senator Vince Palestina. I am. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. Hi, it's Mark Levin. Join me this evening at 6. Now back to Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you to the great one. It's 21 minutes past the hour with Senator Vince Palestina. You're listening to the Hurley in the Morning program uh, presented this hour by Palestina and Associates. Senator Palestina, as you know, you referenced it. I referenced it. I wrote a definitive piece yesterday sort of about progress, like what's been happening since you've been the senator. I opened it with... The words Vince Palestina ran for the office of New Jersey senator in order to quote, because I'm quoting you, to get things done. You weren't looking to have a title. You weren't looking to mark time. You weren't looking to advance some kind of, you know, axe to grind or political agenda or to just be opposed to the other side for the, for the sake of being opposed to the other side. You wanted to you measured success and I think it's it's it speaks well to your vocation. You you measure success by what you get done, not but what by what you talk about. And as you know, there are a lot of elected officials that talk you to death. You finally get down on your knees and succumb because you can, you don't want to hear another word. You can't take anymore. So your measurement of success is actually getting things done. At this point of your uh, time as senator, how do you feel the scorecard rates? I think it uh, rates uh, 99, Harry. I think I mentioned the last month. I think uh, the one thing I had done that is uh, still disappoints me because uh, we would have had fish heads in Gardner's Basin. You know, last uh, summer, I had, the state had agreed to allow him to stay for one more summer, and, of course, that did not work out. Uh, but other than that, I mean, everything that you really were looking at, and I did run on getting things done, and I do think it speaks to me being an engineer because that's what I've been about my entire career. You know, when you're an engineer, you're designing things, but ultimately it's about getting projects done and getting things done, and that is the most satisfaction you get as an engineer. You know, it's just seeing things get built, seeing things get done, seeing things happen, 
especially in Atlantic County, it has always been about getting people to work, giving people opportunities to put food on the table, provide for their families. You know, that's what Atlantic City, since uh, the advent of casino gaming, we have always been about. And so, you know, the fact that we are able to get all these people in positions that are going to benefit us long term, the fact that we have been able to secure additional money for the Aviation Research Park, which uh, RFP from the Atlantic County Improvement Authority for the Architect went out yesterday, and so the progress is happening on that. You know, we have five million committed, and we're gonna we're in place to get the other eight million from the Economic Development Authority in the state to complete the funding for the second building at the Aviation Research Park. Or, you know, we'll have a groundbreaking hopefully late spring, early summer for that. So you're gonna see activity there, really building the second pillar of our economy, which we, you know, we haven't had. We always were relying on tourism, and you know, when the competition happened with casinos, and we suffered economically, we realized we needed to diversify and we need to give people other opportunities. And so, you know, that is just going to be key. The investments in the airport that are going to happen, you know, Congressman Van Drew's position now on transportation and infrastructure really focused on this aviation economy we're going to build here in South Jersey is just so important. And we have gotten so many of this stuff done, so much of this stuff done. And I was about, it was over $50 million that came back to Atlantic County as a result of the state budget last year. And that was after us being there for six months or whatever, Don Guardian, Claire Swift and I, um, you know, as we get into these future budgets and have the opportunity to work with the congressman and others to bring additional funding here to really invest in Atlantic City, invest in Atlantic County. Uh, we are in a great spot, as I mentioned earlier, Harry, and I'm really excited about what we have gotten done. I'm even more excited about the possibilities that we now have as we go through 2023 and later, because we have so many people in place right now. We have such an opportunity with the relationship with the governor, relationship with the congressman that uh, this is, uh, I think, you know, I've been here 51 years and they've been here a little longer. I think this is really uh, about the best opportunity we have ever had to really invest in Atlantic County, diversify the economy, create jobs, create opportunities and allow people, you know, a path to be able to provide for their families as best they can. I want to comment on something, uh, not to be controversial, but I, I have to bring it up because there are so many positives with Atlantic City. And I, I know that after 31 years, our audience knows that, and that's how long we've been together, that I'm a graduate of Atlantic City High School. I was born in what was called Atlantic City Hospital. I mean, I went to some of the Atlantic City grade schools. We moved to Ventnor. Uh, and then I attended in the Ventnor Public Schools and went back to Atlantic City High School for four years and graduated from Atlantic City High School. So my my pedigree, my, you know, captain of the track and cross country teams, MVP. I mean, I love Atlantic City and I, I don't think I have to um, explain myself on this point. But I say that just for a little bit of, you know, resume. Uh, I'm so pleased on one hand with major players that have been incredibly successful yourself and and other working partners uh i i think that um the fact that it's no longer an interim officer in charge or an acting chief and now there is a full installed chief of police sarkis with um now even beyond the probationary period he has the job i think that really is significant and i think that we can see um improvement i, I don't i don't recall writing or saying on air as many stories about violence and gunshots and all of this as I was for the past couple of years. So I want to say I think there's improvement there. 
Uh, I think the focus that Sarkis is doing with some of the new shift work uh, and the focus and, and putting more officers on the street, all this is going to continue to pay dividends. But I'd be an absolute liar, and I'm not an, a liar. I'm intellectually honest on this program. If I didn't say that there's this competing force and almost problem, not almost, is a problem, and that is the mayor. Uh, it's just one sort of clown act after another, whether it's a Fidel Castro three-hour speech wearing a Transformer uh, costume or or other nonsense that's going on. Last night, regretfully, we had to report this morning on a riot-like atmosphere at the Atlantic City High School ACIT uh, boys basketball game. Uh, that that happened, unfortunately. Uh, there's not a rapport with the senator from the second legislative district and the mayor that that I know you can still navigate Atlantic City without that. But it's a shame. Uh, it shouldn't be that way. And I don't I don't fault you for it at all. Uh, you've attempted. Uh, he's an impediment to even better things that could be happening. I think there has to be a game plan, like a workout uh, with this situation. He's a disaster. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, you, everyone uh, who listens to your show, certainly not, you know my thoughts on uh, some of the issues with the local government, the city of Atlantic City. And yes, absolutely. In my time in the state Senate now, last 14 or 15 months, there is absolutely no question that he has been an impediment to progress. Uh, you know, I make this point to, you know, I'm going over in Atlantic City now. I'm going to go to uh, Councilman Shabazz's clean and safe meeting after I'm off the radio. We have New York gaming coming. We yep. need to try to insulate Atlantic City yep. from, you know, the additional competition that is going to come. And Trenton politicians have some Atlantic City fatigue. They don't want to hear the dysfunction. They have been supporting and investing in Atlantic City for a long time. And any dysfunction or any of this nonsense that he creates all the time is not helpful to the city or the people of the city. But what I said is, look, past is the past. I, you know, a lot is going on, but we are here now, February 3rd, 2023. We have such an opportunity, and I hope everybody forgets what happens in the past. You don't have to like me. I don't, it doesn't really matter to me, but we, I know dealing with my colleagues in the Senate and dealing with the uh, governor's administration and everyone up there, if you continue this nonsense, it is going to be counterproductive to the future of Atlantic City. And that is the bottom line, Harry. Let's put it in the past and let's move forward. Well said. It's 30 minutes past the hour. The man knows how to hit his mark as well. We're exactly halftime. Uh, I do believe we have a surprise guest who will be joining the program next. We'll keep it a surprise until we introduce this distinguished guest uh, to Senator Palestina's program. Uh, it is early in the morning with Senator Vince Palestina on South Jersey's number one news talk radio station, all because of you. And you've done it again and again and again for us. We are WPG Talk Radio 95.5. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. Thank you. It's Harry Hurley with three stories that you can follow on the WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. A number of items to choose from. Whether it's the Atlantic City High School uh, riot-like atmosphere of last night, both the mayor and the superintendent were both uh, at the game. And believe it or not, the federal government really is coming after your gas stove. They said it, then they said it wasn't true, and then somebody else is saying it now. And also, we, we saw this logo 
the Philadelphia Eagles logo. From the Towns Corner, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow. Bottom line, for our impending Arctic blast, it is going to turn extremely cold, but only for today, tonight, and tomorrow. Temperatures will fall to around 24 this afternoon. You may catch a few flurries, otherwise mostly sunny and windy. That wind's going to bite tonight. Low at 10, wind chill well below zero. A frigid day tomorrow, sunny, not as windy. High temperature around 27. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins this afternoon at 1. Now, Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. I thank you very much. I do believe we have a surprise visitor uh, that's going to join the program. She is outstanding at what she does. She is our distinguished uh, Atlanta County Board of Elections superintendent. And I do believe we have Maureen Bugden here. Maureen, is that you? It is me. Thanks for call. Thanks for letting me call in this morning, Harry. Good of, morning. Of course, and uh, say good morning to your senator. <laughs> good morning, Senator Palestina. Just good morning, to Maureen. How are you this morning? I, I'm, I'm wonderful, thank you. Um, just wanted to call in on behalf of the New Jersey Association of Election Officials, and thank you for your time the other day in meeting with us um, and our leadership, and thank you for your comments on the floor supporting uh, just a slowdown in some of the changes to election legislation. And for your listeners, Harry, um, the Association of Election Officials, that's every superintendent and board of elections uh, group in the state of New Jersey. We are not against changes to election or election reform or increasing voter opportunities by any stretch. We have deadlines that begin about three months before each election, and implementing new laws within that time frame can really um, impact our processes. We've got to stop, rewind, start over, things like that. Um, and with more and more elections coming at us, school elections, fire elections, uh, municipal elections, the primary, the general, et cetera, and new technology, it's really been a cumbersome task and a challenge. And by the way, we're pulling it off admirably, and I'm so proud of our counties. However, um, there there are the occasional kink and snag where the, you just run out of time. There isn't enough hours in the day. And so we're asking to meet with legislators um, to try and work through some of this so that we can be a team together and produce some really good legislation that is implementable within our timelines and senator palestina has taken the reins on that um and is trying to assist so huge huge thanks for your efforts well anytime Maureen. it's funny because we were in committee yesterday and of course i uh, talked about some of the concerns and I, I think one of the most telling things that maureen and then the other officials expressed to me is uh, you know, they are doing the job and they are doing the job admirably, but it is becoming a pressure cooker and sometimes the pay is not too great. And the more and more we put pressure on, you know, election officials and staff and without great pay, uh, it's getting really difficult to attract people into some of these positions. And that is creating a, you know, a cyclical thing where this is getting more and more problematic. And, you know, we have a problem in Monmouth now. We have a problem in Mercer now. So, you know, I expressed a lot of the concerns and suggested maybe we do a joint meeting between the Senate and Assembly committees and try to figure out a path forward in conjunction with our election officials, which is, of course, what we should do. 
And uh, after the hearing, somebody said to me, <laughs> sounded like you were channeling Maureen. So, uh, so I listened the other day, Maureen, in the meeting, and hopefully I expressed it uh, well to my colleagues there in committee. And hopefully, you know, again, with any of these things, really any issue in the state, for whatever reason, legislators sometimes think they know best. You know, my background is engineering. But I wouldn't ask somebody that's a lawyer to come in and, and do my job as an engineer. And so when you're doing these things, you know, bring in the people who are on the ground, who have to deal with it day to day. That is what we should be doing in trend, not thinking that we know best and that we should be changing these things um, without the people who have to implement it and who have to deal with it every day. And so, Hey, hey Senator, let me ask Maureen a question before she has to run. And I know we're, we're going to go to break in about two or three minutes. So let's, let, let me just pose to Maureen how important I know, but I want you to be able to convey to our listeners how important this technology is in terms of free, fair elections that can be accurately tabulated, that reliable equipment. This is a really big deal, isn't it? It's a huge deal, Harry. And in the state of New Jersey, um, any new voting machine purchased must have that paper verified audit trail. So Love you can it. go back and make sure the memory on the machine matches the tape that comes out at the end of the night, almost like a receipt. And by the way, won't that inspire confidence? Because, there, look, if we're being honest, not political, this isn't Republican or Democrat. It's, it's, it's purely, you know, factual. Many people have lost confidence in the system. I, and I'm not saying Atlanta County. We've been very blessed. You have been spectacular in your leadership role and the board and and a lot of really hard work to make elections have finality and to make elections end in a way that the voters and the citizens can accept that the people who won won. And it's it's important. We have to inspire confidence that the people that won actually won and not leave people uh, with with doubts about all of that. So anything that gives people the opportunity to say, hey, look, it's not just a digital thing here. We've got the paper backup. I think that's tremendous. Yeah, and it's not just the receipt, so to speak, the evening tape that comes out. Every single ballot that you verify behind that screen drops into a bin with your selection. So there's a full audit that's possible. So, Harry, it's huge. We've got a new fleet coming um, by April, and you're going to see this uh, for every single election moving forward in Atlanta County. Um, and just for that, that takes some time to educate the public. So when we're trying to map out our task list and do this responsibly so our, our elections have integrity, if you change the specific laws midstream, as you can imagine, we have to then change our processes. That's the kind of thing that's frightening election officials. And And by the way, we get totally the ambition and why the legislature wants to change these things. But uh, Senator Palestina is correct. We're already well into our processes sometimes when these changes occur. And that's where it becomes difficult. It's a really good point. Senator, anything else for Maureen? Uh, And just thank everyone who was uh, involved with uh, our elections. Obviously, you said it, Atlanta County, we've had very good success here. You know, Maureen is superintendent elections. Now our new county clerk, Joe Girallo, you know, our board of elections uh, people, we are doing very well in Atlanta County. And uh, hopefully, you know, we have a bigger voice as the legislature considers these changes because we need to bring in the people who are doing it every day. Uh, into the conversation and make sure that what we're doing is actually something that can happen in the real world. Maureen, anything else? 
I just want to say thank you to you, too, as well, Harry, for all of your support through the years. Um, and Senator Palestina, you got it in an hour-long meeting. You got it quickly, and you were able to share that with your colleagues uh, in the legislature. And so for that, we're so tremendously grateful. Thank you. Thanks, Maureen. I appreciate you calling in. It's great. We'll be right back. Please don't go away. It's 45 minutes past the hour. It's Palestina. Is, uh, he's a great senator, and he's got radio down. He's hit the 30 mark right on time, hit the 45 mark right on time. This makes it quite a pleasure for your humble, lowly mayor of the morning with Senator Palestina. This is Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Reminding you two things real quick. One, if you haven't entered and you just use the app and you'll see the contest uh, page, it's right there. There's a link right there. And you can sign up for this wonderful Manhattan Bagels WPG Talk Radio 95.5 promotion, which will give you an opportunity to have a chance to win a major Super Bowl party for 10 people. Sandwiches and chips and cookies and and more. That's just some of it. Uh, You sign up right on the app, the WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. And my really, really good friend Joe Kelly from Cat Country 97.3. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, 107.3, 97.3 is ESPN, Cat Country 107.3. Every year for two days, they have a St. Jude Children's Research Hospital Radiothon. The Hurley in the Morning charity stepped up yesterday. We wrote a grant. They're doing very well. Obviously, today is the big day because day two is when you can take the thing over the top. And they're, they're literally your contributions. You're helping to save children's lives. I mean, does it get any more important than that? So if you go to their website, the WPUR Cat Country 107.3 website, all the instructions are right there. If you listen to Joe and Jana, you can call in as well and get a little shout out uh, for your contribution. But I hope you'll step up and contribute. It's something that we're very, very supportive of. Every year we do a structured segment with tom foley about it uh so help out if you can we'll be back with senator palestina in just a few minutes download the wpg talk radio app for your iphone or droid and take south jersey's talk station wherever you go get free unlimited south jersey news right at your fingertips listen to and easily call all of your favorite local and national talk shows wake up with harry hurley using the alarm clock feature and more it's the WPG Talk Radio app for your iPhone or Droid. Download it now at WPGTalkRadio.com. Download every Hurley in the Morning program as a podcast on the WPG Talk Radio app. Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. We are visiting as we do on the first Friday of every month with Senator Vince Palestina, the distinguished gentleman from the second legislative district uh who's just making it a habit of getting things done multiple i think it's at least five superior court judgeships two administrative law judges now nominated from atlantic county uh rob herman and rebecca lafferty who are both fantastic people you know it's not just winning uh the quality of your nominees senator palestina have been exceptional well, thanks, Harry. We absolutely have tried to uh, get the right people in place in these positions, people that are qualified, uh, different backgrounds. Um, you know, and I think uh, when you look at what we have done with the judiciary and look at what we have done with some of these other spots, you know, we have really gotten people in place of quality. They're going to do a fabulous job, and it's going to benefit the whole region. 
So really looking forward to working with them. You know, we did have, uh, it's been an interesting week in, uh, in Trenton on the political side. And of course, you know, uh, Harry, around uh, underneath uh, Chairman Purdy's leadership here in Atlantic County, we obviously did fabulous last year. And we're looking forward to this year. We're going to have a lot of candidates on the ballot. Of course, uh, Don Claire and I, you know, at the top. And then you do have Denny Levinson, the county executive on there. You have John Risley running for re-election. You have Andrew Parker running for re-election. Uh, and then we have Eric Scheffler, the sheriff's spot. And we had two candidates announced last night that they were interested, uh, Joe O'Donohue and Sherry Bergen, last night at the Agarver Township uh, Club meeting. So we'll see how it plays out between the two of them. And then there's at least one, I think, two people that are interested in the commissioner spot that is currently held by Karen Fitzpatrick. And then a lot of local races. So it is going to be a uh, barn burning year here in Atlantic County in terms of the elections. And in Trenton, we had our, our leader of the Senate, Steve Orojo, announce that he is retiring this year. Um, so he's not going to serve in the Senate after this year. And so there's a lot of discussion and uh, back and forth on who our next leader will be in the state Senate on the Republican side. And I did come out early and uh, supported uh, Senator Tony Bucco, who has a lot of experience in uh, the legislature, both in the Assembly and in the Senate. He's from Morris County. Um, but he is a reasonable guy. He's a fair guy. He gets along with everyone. And so, you know, we'll see how that also plays out uh, on the Republican side. But Senator Bucco, I think, is somebody who would do an excellent job leading our caucus. You know, we as Republicans, and we just talked about off the air a little bit, For you know, Democrats always have this ability to kind of fight and then come back together. Republicans, in a lot of cases, you know, fight and then split apart. And we're unfortunately seeing potentially a primary lining up in District 3. We haven't really settled on candidates in District we had Chris Connors uh, retiring in District 9. We had Gene Stanfield retiring in District 8. Uh, so we have a number of retirements. You know, I heard yesterday potentially a primary in District 12 on the Republican side, another one in District 39. It's like. By, by the way, you go. You, I want to go back to District 3 for a second. You, we, we know each other very well. I mean, when the guy who takes down the sitting Senate president by a very wide margin, uh, is up for re-election. What did he do to deserve a primary challenge? That All that does, that's a benefit to Steve Sweeney. It is, and we'll see if Steve Sweeney runs. Um, we're here and now there's a poll in the field, potentially John Berzicelli against Ed Durr, and so there's some polling going on. You know, I don't, it's kind of odd because one by, of the, By the way, Berzicelli would be no joke. He's a good guy. No, no, he... Oh, yeah, he is. He's no joke. Yeah, he was yeah. very popular in the legislature. Yeah. But, um, you know, here in Atlantic County, we're not hearing much on candidates. No. I don't know if you've heard anything. On, no, you know, I, and I'm, I'm happy you brought that up, Senator. And I have I have a theory about this. You go, and I know the way you study numbers, and you know the way that I do. When Denny Levinson is running, we typically have very good years. Now we have Denny Levinson and Vince Palestina running. This should be... I mean, I don't want to jinx anything, and I I'll always say these things with certain caveats. I know how hard you're going to work. This isn't just saying words and that, like, this magic happens. It's doing the work is the reason that I make certain predictions that I do. This is I, – I really believe this, including Risley, and I even heard who I believe will be running with Risley, but I'm not going to get into that right now till I, I learn a little bit more if there's anybody else or I want to keep that dry. But you know what I'm talking about because something was announced last night uh, at the county level. But 
I believe, and you know I've been covering these things closer than anyone in the media for 31 years, I believe this is one of the strongest Republican tickets in our history, Senator Palestina. Yeah, in terms of getting things done and doing the work, I would agree with you. And uh, I always do it quick because I will not take anything for granted. I mean, you never can. That's why you have elections. You never know what's going to happen. And I say a couple of years ago, everybody was telling Joe Giralo and I that we were going to lose and we had no path to victory. And here we both are. But, you know, I, I and think about the Don Purdy election in 2017. It was the year after uh, Donald Trump was elected president. Don Purdy had done a fabulous job for Galloway Township, you know, got them on a path to being debt free, long term debt free. You know, had done a tremendous job serving the people of that town. And then he lost. And yeah. so can never take anything for granted. Yes, it's going to be a great ticket. We're going to, you know, really work hard, really work well together with the people we have on the ticket. But no one, no one in any town. No one at our level, county level, no one can take anything for granted because you never know. That's why you have elections and you never know if something down in Washington, D.C. is affecting the way people think or feel yep. or some other it's true. You know, external it's thing true. is going to impact them. And so yeah. Hard, hard break in 20 seconds, and I'm not familiar with what I'm about to say, but I think it's true. You are the top of the ticket, correct? That's accurate. So I'll be Well, this is going to be amazing. You couldn't ask for a better... Uh, top of the ticket than Vince Palestina. Senator, I have so thoroughly enjoyed this hour, and I really do love the um, the time that we spend together every month. Me as well, Harry. I appreciate it. I thank you, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Always a great time. Have a great day. Uh, say hello to Caroline, and, and also uh, congratulations on, on the news. Uh, good to be with you, sir. Thank you. You too, thanks. You're Millville, a town square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. Christopher. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you very much. Six minutes past the hour. Uh, What I'm going to do is leave this first segment for at least a little bit uh, where it's at right now because I was not able to reach Christopher Ruddy and I called him. I, I, I like to make the call myself uh, as opposed to because, you know, somebody could get busy, they could forget uh, rather than somebody call into me. So it's not like he didn't call. I haven't been able to reach him. Uh, so it looks like uh, if he doesn't arrive in the next few minutes, we'll, we'll simply reschedule because it is an interview that I really want to do. Uh, anybody that knows anything about this program knows that this is exactly the kind of thing that we make a career, you know, out of out of covering. And that's when something is so completely uh, just blatantly unfair and when AT&T and DirecTV drop Newsmax, despite the fact that they're the number four most watched cable news channel in, in the country, and they keep all kinds of programs that are tiny, tiny performers, it's a segment that I really want to do. And in fact, I would do the segment just talking about it and taking your phone calls, but to actually have the opportunity to speak directly with the chief executive officer and the um, the majority owner of 
Newsmax, both their digital platform and also the television uh, platform, is something that I definitely want to have the opportunity to do. So we're going to um, we'll just put a dot 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 on this, not a period. Um, and you know things happen. It's it's live. It's talk radio, and sometimes it happens, and sometimes it doesn't. I I have to say I do love our track record of success, though it's a very rare occurrence, but. I'm simply unable to reach our scheduled guests. We set this up about, I think it was three days ago. And um, I was really looking forward to it. And I'm sure you were as well. And we'll, um, we'll make it happen, though. We'll, we'll, we'll just, um, I'm sure he's going to call me. He knows how to reach me on my private phone. I'm sure he or uh, one of his persons will, will call me and we'll just, we'll just set it up again. It happens. Not a big deal. What I was planning... I'm going to take one call and we're going to keep it that if if Christopher arrives soon, we'll do it. I'll just adjust the schedule. We'll do it. But what I have scheduled, though, from 925 and I know Don is observing the program right now. So hang in there, Don. We're going to do the remainder of the program after the first break with Don. Today is if you're if you're a music lover. You know today is the day that the music died when Jimmy Valance and the Big Bopper and they went down in, in bad weather in a small plane and uh, the the impact that that had on the music industry was just absolutely amazing. And to this day, actually, uh, their their footprint, their body of work and their impact uh, is, is felt in, in such a profound way. So that's what we're going to do for the remainder of this hour. Let's take one phone call before the uh, the first break. Welcome to Hurley in the Morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Harry. How are you today? Kevin, good to hear your voice. Yes, how are you? Good. <laughs> it's, good to be, it's good to be heard. Yes. I, as you know, I hear your voice just about every day. I thank you, Kevin. <laughs> yes. So what I wanted to call you about was the uh, January jobs report uh, came out today. And uh, somehow, miraculously, our economy created 517,000 jobs in the month of January alone when the experts were estimating anywhere from 185 to 187,000 jobs. And, Kevin, I saw that. And and this phenomenon also is is really extra special when you consider how many companies are actually laying people off by the tens of thousands. Correct. And, and, and we just had the Fed meeting this week, and they went to a 25 basis point uh, increase uh, because they felt that the actions that they took uh, from March of 2022 through the end of 2022 uh, in hiking uh, interest rates was cooling down the economy. The only thing they didn't have a control on was the jobs. And what they needed was uh, they want they want us to have a jobs contraction. So this is actually in terms of the Fed for those listening, because all you have to do basically in bizarro world, everything you think is good is bad and everything that you think is bad is good. First of all, I don't know about you, Kevin. I'll speak for me. You you always speak very well for yourself. So I won't attempt to do it for both of us. I don't believe this number. I don't believe anything that this administration puts forward. They lie about everything. But what this will probably do, 
This, in fact, had the jobs report come out before the Fed only raised interest rates by 25 basis points, they would have done another 50. Easy. I think they would. I think they would have gone up 75 bips. Uh, and I think that when you have your Tuesday morning uh, regular guest with Kirk and uh, Chuck uh, with um, Chuck. Um, Chuck Malamut. Yeah. Uh, they'll confirm this, and I'm sure you'll be in contact with them over the next three days. I mean, does that, seriously, does anybody believe that we are currently in an environment where 517,000 jobs were created? Now, you know, this is going to be nauseating because Biden, they're going to shuffle him out with his slippers on or something, and he's going to take credit for Bidenomics working and our our plan is working. We created 517,000 new jobs. I want to know what these jobs are, Kevin. That's what out I of, want to know. Out of thin air. Not totally out of thin air. At a time when your seasonal jobs, okay, yeah. your Christmas, your holiday seasonal jobs go off of uh, the report, okay? Yeah. All of a sudden, in the month of January, the coldest month of the year, okay, and you've got everything that happened out in California with with flooding and, and snow and, and – And then you could name all the major companies that Chuck covered on Tuesday – I don't remember them all that are laying off 10 and 15,000 at a clip, but somehow we're creating 517,000 jobs. I don't believe it for one second. No, this is this is a let's change the narrative. Joe's getting absolutely creamed here. Uh, now, and- now, Kevin, get ready for this, because all the Democrat media sources will be leading with, and I, I think Fox is even going to have to play it straight. Uh, they're going to lead with uh, shocking news, surprise. Get ready for this phrase. It's going to be used. I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, you'll hear this. If you follow news closely, you will hear this dozens of times today and over the next several days. They're going to call this a blowout jobs report. Remember where you yep. heard it. And 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 they're saying... That the 3.4% unemployment rate is the lowest since 1969. Does anybody, you have to be discerning on this. You have to be skeptical. Does that even make sense to what I'm, I'm seeing, what I'm talking to? Like, this would be across the board, across the country. We're not seeing that in this marketplace here, okay? We're dealing with people, you know, you have to, to contrast with the reports of how many more people are living paycheck to paycheck. You can't reconcile these two things. No, and that, by the way, that's the highest it's probably ever been. It's well into the 60-some percentile. 60-some percent of Americans literally cannot afford to miss one paycheck. But yet we're going to continue to get these crazy numbers. Kevin, I've got to run to the break. It was a really good segment with you on that. Uh, we're in complete agreement. We don't believe it. I don't think there's any any it's as unserious as anything you'll ever hear uh, that, like you said, in the month of January, the cold month of January, when every holiday job is off the books and we're to believe that this titanic miraculous 517,000 new jobs have just appeared out of thin air uh but believe me they're gonna see it's also no coincidence because instead of telling the truth about how bad things are they decided to run a campaign for joe biden that this is a great economy 
And now they're going to say, look, we got we can prove it now. Created 517,000 jobs in January. We have 3.4% unemployment. You haven't seen that since Leave it to Beaver was uh, about three three years away from being on television, maybe 10, 10 years. Uh, so I don't believe it. I know it's a lie. It's all a lie. Everything they do is a lie. Everything about the Biden documents has been a lie. But they get to say that we've cooperated. We will continue to cooperate. We're fully cooperating. Uh, we're totally transparent. Every single thing they say, the exact opposite is the truth. And they call you a racist when they're the racist. Go look at Joe Biden's track record in race relations. Pretty bad. His idol is a grand Klegel of the Ku Klux Klan, Robert Byrd, who is his model as a senator. It's, it's hard to take. But as long as you stay sane and you know that it's bizarro world and you're getting punked out on a daily basis, you can live with it. Uh, because this too shall pass. Kevin, that's a great call. I've got to go. When we come back, we're going to shift gears. It's going to be, it's necessary, especially after that. We're going to shift gears completely to what I call a mental health break. So there's not going to be any more of that stuff. No politics, no division, no hate, no problems, no no crap, none of that. Uh, but it's kind of sad because who who knows? Don speaks about it very well. And he's actually interviewed Richie Valens' wife many times and knows family members. Uh, who knows what Richie Valens would have done had he lived? Such a shame. Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, the big bopper. I mean, just imagine. So they don't call it the day the music died. For no reason. And that's what we're going to talk about for the remainder of today's program. Don't go away. We'll be right back. A reminder, two things. If you would participate, if you can. Number one, my good friend Joe Kelly. It's day two and it's the final day of the Cat Country 107.3 WPUR annual. They do it every year. Joe's been doing it for decades and they've raised so much money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, which is something that everybody knows. This program is a big, big believer, and we've been contributing uh, from the Hurley in the Morning Charity Foundation for many years, and we made a, a grant award yesterday to Joe. If you can contribute, if you go to their website, the Cat Country 107.3 WPUR website, everything you need to know is right there. It's very easy. You're also invited, if you're listening to Joe and Jana, to contribute on air. And they're doing a great job with it. They have all your names written down. I've seen it all. Studios all decorated. The station is all decorated. It's it's really a big thing. If you can make a contribution, I don't exaggerate when I say you will literally help to save children's lives. How much how much more, you know, how much more profound can it be than that? Second item. If you haven't already done so, I'm asking you to go to the WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. We're partnering with Manhattan Bagels, and you have an opportunity, but you can't win if you don't play. You have to go to the app, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app, sign up for the contest, and you have a chance to win your own Super Party, Super Bowl party, rather, for 10 people from Manhattan Bagels. It will be sandwiches, chips, cookies, and more, uh, and... Why not go to the app, WPG Talk Radio, 95.5 smartphone app. 
we'll be back and we'll um, take on the topic of the day the music died next. This is Early in the Morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. For complete contest rules, visit WPGTalkRadio.com. Thank you. We're back. Oh, I promised Dom we would start at 925. And when I came back, it was 925.00. Wow. This whole morning, Palestina was on time each break. 15, 30, 45, like clockwork. Uh, This hour is right on time. I did send a uh, text message to Chris Ruddy, and we'll see what happens, because uh, I would like to get him back. There's a lot to be talked about there, and I'll keep you posted. Um, it's not it's not really an if. He, you know, we were supposed to do today. It's just one of those things that happens in radio. He, you know, he, keep in mind, the guy is the CEO and the, ma- the majority owner of the fourth most significant cable news channel in America. So I don't even, you know... I don't even I don't even hold it against him. You know, I wanted to do the interview, but we'll we'll get it. We'll we'll nail it down. All right, so we're moving on from that and it's uh rolling back the wayback machine, hard to believe, 64 years. So this this predates the birth of the Hurley twins even. Uh but this was in fact the day the music died. Enter to the scene a man that knows a lot about music. He's hosted classic rock programs on multiple platforms and and of course here on wpg talk radio 95.5 the ed hurst steel pure radio show for many many years don hurley joins the uh, hurley in the morning program so it's a sad day don it's it's a day that um i guess you almost have to just try to contemplate how much this affected music uh i suspect you're going to say that this had a very big effect on the music industry because it did well, yeah, certainly did, Harry, and good morning to you and, and all your listeners. And so you think about tragedies, This, you know, the, the first rock and roll tragedy, uh, certainly of this magnitude, you know, a plane crash like this. It's such a sad story, too, when you think about it, people forget. I don't know if it's just that people looked older back then. You know, you look at look at old yearbook photos from the 50s, and and then you look at, you know, the the yearbook photos today. I mean, people just seemed to look older back then. I think we thought they were older, but these were such young people, Harry. Well, give, give for example, Richie Valens was how old? Richie Valens was just turned 17, Harry. He was a juvenile on this tour. It's crazy. You know, you know and, and think about, you know, it's funny how, you know, people, you know, I, I don't know who takes what. I, I just always looked at this whole tragedy. Like J.P. Richardson, for instance, Harry, you know, gets probably the least attention of of the three but tremendous radio person he's like you harry he's a radio guy at heart he just happened to hit it with a you know a great novelty song and he was working and this was you know i was so fortunate through the years i've interviewed all the family members and so many people don mclean himself i've interviewed several times about what motivated him to do what he did and even don mclean will tell you know the day the music died it certainly didn't die that's the great thing about music that it lives you know and here we are talking about it 64 years later because you know the buddy holly's music that's what's important you know that's what is going to last forever you know what what do you think because he only made it to 17 and he had what donna come on let's go uh la bamba so i mean he had a body of work at 17 
that would certainly be a career for for most people in the industry. What do you think he would have done had he lived? I mean, he lived to be 17. That's it's obscene. What would he have done if he had had he continued? Well, now are we talking about Richie or I'm talking Buddy about Richie. Or? I'm talking about Richie Valens. Well, it's, it's a very interesting story. You know, Richie Valance, for instance, you know, people forget he was just 17 years old, just turned 17. So his career only lasted eight months. So he had an entire career, which winds up lasting eight months of that career. He recorded 33 songs, uh, 22 of them he wrote himself. So 22 of the 33 songs that Richie Valance recorded, he wrote himself and produced them. And, you know, many of them were hits. So, you know, you said it right, Harry. Richie Valens in eight months created uh, a lifetime of music. It's an so, incredible so let me press you on this because I do this every time we've ever done this segment. We've done it a few times. Even if we didn't call it today, the music died, and it, it, maybe we would just be talking about Richie Valens on, on occasion. So we've talked about this many times, and I've always posed this question to you. I don't have an answer for it. I'm not sure. I think I know, but it's it's unprovable, but I'll throw it out there anyhow. Is Richie Valens more famous and is his body of work more well-known because he died at 17 that if he lived to be 75 or whatever, uh, and who knows what would have happened, uh, that he might not be well-known? Is it possible that that's the reason that he is as famous as he is and that his music is still as popular as it is because he died so young? No, I, th- I think what it is, Harry, for me, uh, you know, Carlos Santana called him the Chicano Elvis. This guy was so huge at such a young age. And remember, he did it more than once. Think about it. You know, they, they always say the, the real key, if someone's going to be a star, is going to last, you, you, you can't just have a one-hit wonder. You, you have to do it more than once. You have to do it several times. And as we just said earlier, he did it almost a third of the time before he'd even turned 18 years old. So I think Richie Valens would have been a superstar beyond measure because his talent, he was a prodigy, Harry. I mean, if you think about such a young person with that kind of talent and innovation, uh, creativity, you know, his energy, you know, and if a guy like Santana calls you the Chicano Elvis, I mean, you're special, you know? You know, thinking about this, if you do quick math, it's 64 years since he died. He died at 17. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm great with math, but I can handle this one. You add 17 to 64, he should still be alive right now. Oh, of course. And remember, Harry, Dion. Dion was on that tour. He's still alive and performing really well at a high level. Uh, Dion's in his 80s now. Uh, so they were two of the younger guys on the tour. But uh, so, yeah, of course. I, I, I mean, Richie would be 78 years old. I mean, that's not even average age. That the average person lives. I think it's something like 80 for women, 79, or it's gone down a little bit since the uh, the pandemic. Remind our listeners uh, after the break, who exactly went down in that tragic plane crash 64 years ago today? You know, you think about, I've watched the movie, I've watched Buddy Holly. It's it, He's, you know, he's obviously very zany now since his motorcycle crash, but uh, Gary Busey is, I think I think he should have won the Academy Award. Uh, I know he was nominated. Terrific Buddy Holly. Uh, in fact, I, I think I'm inspired. I'm, I watched Groundhog Day yesterday. I'm going to watch um, 
the I'm going to watch the Buddy Holly story, and I'm going to watch the other movie that that really focuses on on Richie Valens a lot. Uh, I think I'll watch both of them over the weekend. Uh, we'll come right back. That that's the question on the floor is who who did we lose 64 years ago today in the music world? And I tell you, I do love Don McLean's uh, American Pie. I mean, I know it was every DJ's fan, you know, friend for a nice long break, but what a fantastic song. Just terrific. We'll be back. It's 33 minutes past the hour with Don. I'm Harry. This is WPG. Talk Radio 95.5. It's the Hurley in the Morning program. Hi, when I'm Brian Kilmeade. Coming up on the Friday edition of the Brian Kilmeade Show, one of our favorites, Geraldo, no last name. Fox News Sunday's own Shannon Bream, yes, with us. Will she get to interview President Biden at the Super Bowl? All coming up on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Be there. Brian Kilmeade is next at 10 on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Brian Kilmeade is next at 10. Now, back to Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, thanks. We're back 38 minutes past the hour. Hurley in the morning with Don Hurley. So I guess that would be plural, Hurleys in the morning. And 64 years ago today, uh, some very, very famous, very young, very famous musicians went down in an airplane crash. Uh, By the way, Don, what's the story about that? Before we get into who went down ill-advised everything about that flight never should have taken off should it no no ill-advised uh you know the the faa who investigated said there were there were many issues one involved of course the weather itself which was ill-advised but also the uh training of the pilot involved very young pilot it just such a tragedy you know they, they talk about like a comedy of errors all across the board it's just one of those things harry i mean if if not for a terrible bus that they had uh, assigned to them for this tour that kept breaking down and the heat kept failing. You know, they were freezing. I remember where they were. They were in the Midwest in the winter in February, uh, and it was really cold. Uh, and so they took this one shot to just get a break. You know, Buddy Holly decides, and he was not big on flying himself. In fact, his, his widow, Maria Elena Holly, who I've spoken with many times through the years, said that had she known that Buddy was going to do that, she would have she would have stopped it at, ah, at, at all such costs. A shame. Is this is this urban legend or did it actually happen? Did Richie Valens actually get his seat on the plane by a toss of a coin? Well that's interesting because you know I've talked to everybody involved, well except of course Richie Valens, but Tommy Olsap, uh now Dion of course the thing, it, it's very interesting. Through the years, Dion just wouldn't speak about this tragedy. He just didn't do it, Harry. I interviewed him many times through the years. Was it just that, that he was just so pained by it because he could have been on that plane? Well, I, well, he could easily have been on that plane because he's the one that won the coin flip. And his, he, in his, his book that came out a few years ago, he finally broke silence and said that he's the one that, that uh, you know, he won the coin flip. So, so he won the flip, but then he said, Richie, you can go? Well, it was a little more than that. What what happened, uh, you know, I forget exactly. Dion was paying his mother's rent at that time, and he thought, well, I can, you know, either take this flight and be warm or I can pay my mother's rent, you know. So paying his mother's rent was more important than him being warm. So he he, he let the trip go to Richie, who was sick at that time. There's, unfortunately, that was another thing that added to this terrible tragedy. The flu was going around the band. And so uh, Richie was sick, and uh, J.P. Richardson, the big bopper, he was he was sick with the flu. So 
so they were fighting that terrible conditions, this bus that just didn't work and had no heat. And uh, so I think it was a, a combination of a few things, you know, kindness and also, uh, you know, Dion cared more about taking care of his mother, which is, is beautiful. And it saved his life. So who, who died on this day 64 years ago? Well, who died, of course, was Buddy Holly, you know, age 22. I mean, young, young man. Think about what he did in, in such a short time. Uh, and it was really a shame because, you know, the crickets probably, I think they were going to get back together. So there's so many things about this that were so just tragic. But uh, also Richie Valens, of course, just 17 years old. Um, J.P. Richardson, who was, you know, more fond of radio than he was performing, but was performing. Uh, and this is right from his son, said that his father, you know, his performance career would have been very short. You know, you, you have sometimes what would have happened had they all lived. J.P. Richardson would have been uh, a multi-radio station owner. Wow. That's what would have happened with him. And he would continue to promote shows. But I think as a performer, according to his son and his whole family, that was not his love. His love was radio, Harry, just like you. And he's one of these people. He's one of these people. He is much more famous. If you went on, like, Man on the Street and you said, have you ever heard of the Big Bopper? I think a lot of people... And they would know the shtick, you know, hello, you know, baby, uh, you know, and, and they know Chantilly Lace and White Lightning, all this. But if you say J.P. Richardson, I don't think he's that well known by his real name, correct? No, nah, he, you know, of course, known as the Big Bopper. That was his radio moniker. You know, back then we were talking about this a few weeks ago, Harry. Everybody, you know, the geezer, you know, needed a, he needed a, a, a shtick. He needed, a, 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 you know, a trademark. And they, they all come up with something. Well, he was the big bopper, you know. And, of course, Chantilly Lace was famous. But, you know, b- beyond that, though, uh, you know, you ask, like, what, what, what do people not know about the big bopper? I mean, his production, Harry, legendary, you know, his, his interest in radio, you know, in the medium of it and how powerful it was, particularly for music, you know, at that time. And being right on the cusp of rock and roll, you know, this is – so if you think of 1959, think about – how everything was changing because it was just a year before that, you know, it was Pat Boone, you know, the crooners, those, those types. And then, you know, out of nowhere comes Buddy Holly with these wild rim glasses. You know, nobody wore glasses. You know, they did everything not to wear eyeglasses. Remember? Yeah, I'm looking. So, I'm looking at February 3rd, uh, 1959. And I, I'm looking at the actual the Daily Tribune and the headline read. On February 3rd, 1959, 64 years ago today, on the day the music died, it, it read, Young Texas Singer Dies in Plain. And then it has pictures of three of them. Yeah, it's so terrible. In the case of, you know, we're talking about the Big Bopper right now. Uh, his son was only three months old when, when the Big Bopper went down in that plane crash. So he never got to know his father. Uh, he got to know him through memories just like everybody else. In fact, he wrote a big uh, a book called Big Bopper Memories, which is still out there. From the, uh, And he got into, he and I became very friendly out of everybody that I dealt with, because I, I, I really, you know, I, I loved exploring this whole story. And I got to talk with so many of the family members and people that played with them. And here was J.P. Richardson Jr. Not really, he, he billed himself as that. He was not actually junior. But he shied away from performing, and it wasn't until later in life, Harry, that he became a performer himself and sort of resurrected this winter dance party and went on to recreate it for many years, Harry, 
at the surf ballroom right there where it all happened. It's still there. And they would recreate this whole event that took place on February 3rd, 1959. And just a few years ago, he passed away, too. And by the way, he was like the elder of the group. He was 28. So you had the Big Bopper was 28. You mentioned that Buddy Holly was 22. And and what what a amazing body of work he left behind for just being 22 years old. And Richie Valens, 17. I mean, that's just crazy. It's just it's unnatural. It's, oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, so much talent in, in one tragedy. You know, you think of, you know, like when, when uh, Ricky Nelson's plane went down. I mean, it, of course, his whole band and uh, my friend Pat Upton uh, just missed that crash, you know, from the spiral. Remember the spiral staircase, Harry? Yeah, More of today than yesterday? Of course. Yeah, tremendous, yeah. Yeah. tremendous singer. Well, he was a part of Ricky Nelson's, you know, house band for a long time. In fact, Ricky played Pat's bar and just how loyal he was to Pat played his bar in Alabama and that's where he when he left to go make that New Year's because that was New Year's Eve if you recall so to make New Year's Eve he flew out of Alabama and uh you know Pat Upton there was some talk about him being with him you know and maybe playing that other show well he stayed behind at his club and so you know you think you know fateful moments you know how how things happen and but yeah, these these kind of things. Leonard Skinner, for instance, in a, in a yeah. plane crash. Yeah, there's a lot of them. I mean, uh, if I'm, I think I'm right about this. Reba McIntyre's entire band died in a plane crash. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Minus her. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so you know, the, so there's so many stories. You think and here, of course, uh, uh, there's three three families. You know, the the, the three rock stars, the, the pilot of the plane, of course, a guy named Roger Peterson, and. You know, he gets much maligned in history, but perished in that terrible crash. It's just, you know. Well, you, you figure uh, a lot of famous people have gone that way. Rocky Marciano died in a plane crash. I mean, famous people, you want to say, that have money. But but these youngsters didn't really have a lot of money, did they? No, and, and no, they did not. They I were mean, that's all, why they had that bus that was freezing cold and the, the whole deal, breaking down, all of it. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, and for instance, in the case of uh, Buddy Holly, he's got his young uh, bride at home pregnant. That's why she didn't make the trip. They're having, you know, their their first would have been their first child. In fact, due to the that's another tragedy in it. Due to the, the the trauma, the shock of all this, she lost her baby, Harry. So they never had Buddy's baby. Wow. Um, now there's an interesting story, Buddy Holly. You know, I well, do me a favor, the, hold that interesting story until after the break. That's nice. A nice little cliffhanger. We'll be right back. This is Hurley in the Morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. We're investing. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a Town Square media station. You've heard me discuss how my everyday aches and pains were affecting my daily life before I started taking Relief Factor. You've also heard me talk to you about how my friends and family have found relief from their aches and pains with Relief Factor. Well, let me tell you about Gary from California. Gary says, I cannot thank you enough. I am 62 years old and have just started taking Relief Factor. I've never felt better and will recommend Relief Factor to all my baby boomer friends. Well, thanks for writing, Gary. Three weeks from now, you could be doing the things you enjoy doing. Your first step to living the life you love, free from aches and pains, could just be to order the three-week quick start for only nineteen ninety-five. After trying Relief Factor, over half a million people have gone on to order more. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800 for relief to find out more about this offer. That's relieffactor.com 
or call 800 for relief Live your best life and feel the difference with Relief Factor. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Join me today at 3, but now back to Hurley in the Morning right here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM, South Jersey's talk station. Thank you very much, Sean Hannity. 52 minutes past the hour. Brian Kilmeade lurking right around the corner. So one way or another, Don and I always seem to be able to memorialize this um this date february 3rd and we'll go back to 1959 64 years ago today the the plane crash that killed buddy holly richie valens and the big bopper uh you were about to say right before the break in fact i remember exactly what you said you said buddy holly now that's an interesting story and then i i shut it down uh do tell yeah, because what happens, you know, I mentioned that, you know, he had a baby on the way. And in fact, his, his, his wife was intentionally staying home because she wasn't feeling well with the pregnancy. And, and so what, where it really was, and this is kind of a sad thing, because with the hits that Buddy Holly had already had, uh, he shouldn't have had to do this tour in the winter in the Midwest and freeze. Uh, he was making a lot of money, but not seeing a lot of it. And so he tells his wife, I, I got to do this tour. It's only going to be a few weeks. We got to make some money to get us through the winter, and then we're going to have this beautiful baby and move and on. And by the way, is the movie accurate or sensational? Like he was, there was trouble paying the rent, correct? Well, I mean, they were they they. I, I think it, the movie was accurate to a degree. They did sensationalize some things. I used to be clear on some of the things that aren't accurate, but um, it's a really well. I know the producer of the film. He he also was a part of a project I worked on. Uh, they did a great job. I mean, because nobody had ever really dramatized that whole thing until, you know, and I, I can't believe it, it slipped in my name, the producer's name. Uh, of, the, anyway, of the Body Howie story? Yeah, it's a great guy. It'll come to me before I'm, I'm done telling you this. But so he uh, he's driving home, Harry, and he's, he's uh, just daydreaming about American Pie. You know, of course, Don McLean's song. And the whole thing hit him. You know, that, hey, let's start at the plane crash and work our way back. We'll tell the Buddy Holly story. And he did it. You know, he helped write this whole thing out. Uh, it's really bothering me. I can't remember his name. He's a great guy. Yeah, well, we got time. We have to, we have 11 minutes. It'll, it'll, it'll come to you. I'll look it up if need be. Um, the Buddy Holly story with Gary Busey. See, I think sometimes people think about Gary Busey post- the motorcycle crash when he wasn't wearing a helmet and, and, you know, I'm not trying to be unkind, but he, you know, he got his brain scrambled. So people think about him as zany and, you know, way, way out there. He was terrific in that movie. He was sensational, Harry. And a lot of people forget Gary Busey did the soundtrack. He sang those songs, you know, that's him, you know, so even more impressive besides the acting. Yeah. Yeah. Besides the acting, his musical ability in there was was tremendous and he was just he was just great you know great in the role in fact i've been trying and he's one of the few people that have escaped me in this whole story i've never had the chance to talk with him i met him at an event many many years ago but just there was no time for an interview and said we would do it and we just haven't done it but he was sensational i really do recommend uh the buddy holly story let me let me let me me put you out of your misery here i i went to the producer's of the Buddy Holly story, this will mean something to you. It doesn't mean anything to me insofar as I don't know any of these people, but there's three names 
and they're in alphabetical order. Fred Bauer, Edward Cohen. That's it. Which one? Fred Bauer? That's it, Harry. Fred Bauer? Yeah, Fred okay. Bauer. Great, great guy. I'm ashamed right. so of myself because that's no, okay. Yeah, he, we, got it. He, we haven't talked in several years, but uh, also, by the way, uh, a former producer of Ed Hurst and the Steel Pier radio show. Fred, How about that? Fred Bauer? Fred Bauer, actually the Steel Pier television show. I take that back. So he knows you're in the you're in the fraternity. He knows that you were also a producer of, of the same show, if you will, different iteration, but the same show. Oh yeah, and every time we memorialize this through the years, I've been doing this twenty five years now, memorializing this day, and Fred Bauer's always been a part of it. He's he's great. Yeah, he's tremendous, tremendous musical mind production, just extraordinaire. Yeah, Freddie Bauer, great, great guy. Did a great job for Ed Hurst too. But to, to get back to it though, Harry, here's here's Buddy Holly. You know, he's at his music company, and for almost the first time, you know, he, now he's kind of made it. He's got some hit records, and he sees this beautiful young lady at the reception's desk, and so he's there to see, of course, uh, the management, the record management. You know, what what are they going to do next? And he tells this young lady, "Well, you just take your time." Because I'm having more fun talking with you than I will them anyway. That's funny. So he falls instantly, instantly in love with this woman, Harry Maria Elena, and uh, so, and it's really just a beautiful story. Her her aunt is one of the office managers for this record company, and so now he's wandering the building trying to find this woman because he wants to because that's her guardian. She doesn't have her mother. Her guardian is her aunt, and he wants to get her permission to take this young lady out on a date. He's not even going to ask her to go on a, on a date until he asked permission because he was a, a Southern gentleman. And that's in the movie too. It's a great that, they did get that right. Check this out. See what you think of this and see if you agree with it or if you disagree with it. There is a source that I've been aware of for a long time where you can, and I'm not saying this is like perfect or anything, you know, but there's a source that rates the degree of accuracy whether it's a music, you know, um, type, you know, biopic or whatever, the, whatever the genre, they consider the the Buddy Holly story movie by this rating system. They call it degree of accuracy. They say 67 percent. Do you accept that? Yeah, I do. I was, I was going to say 70. So, yeah, uh, I do accept that. I think it, I think yeah. that's really, really good. If you get anywhere near 70%, because you're always, I think they even have a graphic that says that, that there's some, you know, fiction or whatever where they, they editorialize and such. Um, here's what they say about it. Gary Busey won an Oscar nomination for his portrayal of Texas-born rock and roll pioneer Buddy Holly, and deservedly so. He disappears into the role, even singing Holly's songs himself and one other comment I, I by the way i think this is a really good comment and and accurate this happened in 1959 the buddy holly story wasn't made until the year we graduated high school 1978 a long yeah. time so yeah almost 20 years it's yeah crazy and that was the thing how freddie bauer just it, it all happened because it wasn't February 3rd that Freddie Bauer thought of this. He was in the car. It was the summertime with the top down, and Don McLean was singing American Pie, and he said, I got it. We're going to do the Buddy Holly story. And I'll never forget it. He said, we'll start with the plane crash, and we'll work our way back. And it's and really... That's, that's what he did. Yeah, that's another it's movie. I have these things that I do. Like, I usually watch, like, Titanic once a year. 
Uh, of course, Groundhog Day every February 2nd. I, I can't tell you the last time I missed that. Uh, it's got to be a couple of decades at least. Uh, I watch the Buddy Holly story at least once a year. These are all movies that I don't have to hope, but you can get. I mean, I have all these movies in my library, and every time I watch it, I just I just think it's so well done. And, and of course, it's very sad. Yeah, and now you know that Gary Busey is singing those songs. I mean, that's his voice. It's incredible. He yeah. did such a great job. I'm, I'm a big Gary Busey fan. I I just watched him in – You know, remember The Firm with uh, Tom Cruise? Oh, my firm? God. That's another one I watch every year. Of course I remember it. Uh, Gene Tribblehorn. Gene Tribblehorn plays his wife. Gene, Gene Hackman, of course. Gene Hackman, yeah. Oh, my God. The, mo- the, mo- the mean, movie is fantastic. So Gary Busey plays this, you know, shadowy private detective. And <laughs> he has he has the gun rigged because he's always figuring somebody's after him. He has the gun rigged under his desk. Yeah. So that it's pointing at whoever is actually. And he can shoot right through the front of the desk. Yeah, he can blow right, blow a hole right through the front of the desk. But he, when, he gets he goes flipping off his chair. He gets he gets blown away. But he was honorable, though, because he wasn't going to give up his client. He's yeah. we need the name. Yeah, and then when he says, "Okay, okay, you get the name," the name was Julio Iglesias, and he shoots the guy right in the kneecap. It's just Busey's incredible. He's just he's great. You know, you know, loved him was the president. Donald Trump loves Gary Busey. Oh, he was on The Apprentice. Yeah, brought on The Apprentice. You know, he's just the guy is just he's a remarkable actor. Just you know, but I think you're right. I think that that motorcycle crash really. Oh no, it scrambled his eggs. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's clear. Uh, so it's a totally different person. You know, his son was an actor, too, you know. That's right. Oh, yeah, and a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very good. Actor. Yeah. But, All right, so we're down to four minutes. Uh, what what needs to be said that hasn't been said? Well, Go. Back to the real Buddy Holly real quick, because I was going to finish this point. You know, Buddy and his, his wife-to-be, Elena, she's only there a week, Harry. She just started the job, you know, as a receptionist at their record company. Uh, they meet... They, Quickly, they fall in love quickly. They get married quickly. Just a tremendous love story. You know, that one of the things that I I always remember from, you know, that whole story, you know, how they just got together the way they did and how just, you know, passionate and impressive it was. And to this day, Harry, she is such a great keeper of the Buddy Holly flame. She and I have become friends and just a beautiful person. So, you know, what you have, Harry, you think about it, you know, uh, 64 years, their, their music is still powerful. Think about it. You know, every time you hear La Bamba or Come On, Let's Go by Richie Valens, so many great songs. Donna. Uh, oh, Donna, of course. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, the music, once again, you know, even, and, and I'll finish it with this, Harry. I, I had the, the joy of interviewing Don McLean this last time uh, at the 50, it was exactly the 50th anniversary of American Pie. And it was so great that it was his first show following this pandemic, Harry. Everybody had been locked up. And Bob Rose and, and all the guys at the Ocean City Music Pier brought Don McLean and Harry. I don't even think they knew how significant it was because I remember talking with the management. I said, do you realize this is this is Don McLean's first show in, in two years? I mean, it was during this whole pandemic. And, you know, and it's of course, they knew it was the 50th anniversary of American Pie, but um and that's a great story. We'll have to get. To, well, I, I talk with Don a lot. We're going to get him on your show, Harry, Good. and let him talk about American Pie because you I'll, know, tell, you, I'll tell you, I saw him, uh, and I think you were not available. But Margie and I went. 
I think Karen was with us. I can't remember who else. But in that beautiful King's Court showroom at Trump Castle Casino Resort by the Bay, Don McLean and his guitar. And man, I got to tell you, that would have been in like the early 1990s. I would say maybe like 90. Trying to think. No, 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 no. Would have been late. Would have been about 89. He was fantastic. Yeah. I tell you, Harry, it may be the greatest song ever written. I mean, I, I really, I'm, I'm saying that without any. Now, I think it is, but you, when we did that once, you have a different song. Don't you, uh, God Only Knows, don't you? Now, you asked me, my, that, well, I think that, in my opinion, but I'm saying, you know, taking myself out of it. Yeah. You know, in, when people ask my opinion, what's the greatest song ever written? I think it's Brian Wilson, God Only Knows. But this song, though, for so many reasons, it's it's such a, a kaleidoscope of events. And it's about a lot more than just the day the music died. You know, it's much more than just Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper. It's 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 a whole, you know, Oh, he has diet. Generation Lost in Space. He's got all kinds of stuff in there. Yeah. Oh, there's no, no doubt about yeah, it. It's, it's, uh, hey, guess what? Uh, you're in the business. Well, you know, we, we, the music says we, we have to go. Harry. The day the music died with Don Hurley. We we did it again. We, I, I don't think we ever missed this. So let's keep it up. I don't think so. Yep. Thanks. Good thanks to talk again, to you. Harry. Yep. Have a great weekend. Take care. See ya. Brother Don Hurley. Uh, guess what? Live and local tomorrow, 5 a.m. with Tom P. Rack and Fin Radio. John DeMassey at 9. And then Carmen Murata, 12 noon with Tony Mart Presents. That's live and local right here. On the station that plays the winner, South Jersey's number one news talk radio station, all because of you, WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Remember that WPUR Cat Country Radiothon for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Sign up on the WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app for the uh, contest with Manhattan Bagels. 